I'm Emily Swallow. I play the armorer on The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, and I am on Below the Belt Show. This is the way. The Below the Belt Show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Han Soto <laughs> here nice. on a, a great episode of BTB uh, with uh, a panel that I've handpicked because they are part of the scum and villainy of the Star Wars fandom. <laughs> and um, we're going to be talking about the Mandalorian and much, much more. But anyways, let's go ahead and introduce. We had to bring back the Sith Lord himself, Darth Paul Wallace. Thank you uh, very much for... I am a Sith Lord. (laughs) Going back to talk about uh, all the good stuff we do on Below the Belt Show and, of course, Star Wars. And joining us as guest co-host tonight, he is actor extraordinaire. And let's call him the Nerf Herder tonight. We just literally coined uh, a Star Wars nickname (laughs) for him last minute. Dan Franco. Who are you calling scruffy looking? <laughs> Dan, good to have you on BTB. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, So I wanted to talk everything Star Wars, but obviously, um, yeah, there's also a lot of other cool stuff to talk about. here. Everything Star Wars except The Last Jedi, right, Al? <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, I want to talk about episodes one and two of The Mandalorian, obviously. Okay. Um, there's some news that came out about two uh, movies that were in production, yeah. Star Wars movies that have recently definitely got nixed. So we'll uh, talk about that. But um, before we begin, since, Dan, it's been a little little while since we've had you on, um, what's new in Dan Franco's world? Uh, not much. I, I, uh, haven't really had much going on from the acting side of the, of the world. Just, uh, just my, my regular life side of the world. Um, uh, we are, um, I don't know when this is going to air, but, um, Ken Arnold and I are going to be up at the, uh, the, uh, creature feature, uh, horror weekend up in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, um, nice. That's, that's, uh, St. Patrick's day weekend, the 17th, 18th, 19th. We'll be up there supporting, uh, you know, promoting the Night Watchmen and the comedy of horrors, and it yes. sounds like they're gonna screen us at 11:30 on Friday night. So we're gonna end St. Patrick Day, St. Patrick's Day with uh with the Night Watchmen screening. So that's kind Night of fun. Watchmen, and will comedy of horrors also be screened, or just the Night Watchmen? They're only, they're only screening the Night Watchmen. Okay. That's cool. Wow, fantastic! Again, great films, man. Um, Dan, Thanks. I'm so impressed with you guys. You know, your team is 
done tremendous um, shooting um, amazing film projects in the state of Maryland. And of course, um, horror movies at that. And, and uh, you know, everybody too. Yeah. We all well, love the, the horror thing film. is that Al, we might have more business uh, coming this way. Did you hear about what California proposes? What's that? Uh, California, I think said, like, if you want any production credits, you have to uh, use identity politics. I'm sure a lot of productions are just going to pull out over that. I mean, they have. I mean, they they have mandates where you, if you want any tax credits, you have to have people of certain sexes and certain races in every single role. And it's like you can't do a film that way. I mean, you have to have a natural progression of stuff. You know what I mean? Well, you know that. That's, I mean, I, uh... as I said, I'm, you. As I said, it's just you have to. I mean, I don't. I'm all for equal things, but I mean, you can't do that. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, if you're shooting something like a period piece, like 1883, and yeah, or if you're um, shooting it like Merlin, it's like you're gonna have white guys right. in Merlin then because of the because of the like okay. that you have to fill. It's, it just makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever. But on the same token, if you're having a film like a Star Wars film or a Star Trek film, yeah, Star Wars and Star Wars, Star Trek, yeah, really I'm for every bit it's... of diversity. But it's like, as I said, you just can't do that with most of the stuff. <laughs> I, I hear you on that. I hear that. I'm really looking forward to the two big studios opening up up here in uh, Central Jersey. Um, you've got the the giant uh, Netflix studio and the Lionsgate, so that's going to bring a lot of business. Yeah, yeah, it's going to help some. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys hear what January Jones said about uh, casting directors and to go back to the office? I was I was curious of your you guys' thoughts on that because I know how Paul feels about it, but for us people that might have other employment. The self tape is um, is a blessing from God uh, to be able to you audition. Know what, honestly, Al, you lose something in self tape because you don't get the feedback or the emotion in the performance, and it's like I think that really hurts a lot. I don't. It's like I, I mean, disagree. I turned down stuff because they wanted self tapes, and it's like I'm not doing a self tape. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm Paul, for... I, I have to disagree with you and January yeah. Jones. I feel that people that of number one living in the the Mid Atlantic region. If we want to audition in something in New York, traveling to New York is takes a lot out of our schedule. Yep. If we can just audition for the project, do a self-tape, that saves a lot of time and money. And self-tape allows you to deliver your best take to the casting director. I don't think and, you have I'm, to do it on one. If you can't do it on one take, you shouldn't be taking a role. I mean, that's I, just how I feel. Well, I don't you know. You got one take on the set. <laughs> I know it's a, that, that's just how I feel about stuff. I mean, like well, if I was a casting director, I would prefer to have it done in person because it's like that's uh, you can get the best performance that way. I think. I think, and if they don't have it, they I don't have it. I I I much prefer the self tape. It it Thank fits you. in. I, I I'm I'm fully down to travel for the callback, but when you're right. at that first stage, let me put it on tape. I'm going to give you my best. You know, I'm not going to sit here and spend three hours trying to get the absolute perfect take i'm gonna do two takes maybe i'm gonna pick the best one i'm gonna send it to you yeah. and you know and it takes the pressure off of me it takes it saves your time it saves my time yes and and i give you a better audition for it and that's right that's absolutely right i know paul you 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 agree with january jones she did say on her instagram story note to hollywood it's time for casting directors to come back into the office like everyone else to audition actors in person and she went on to 
segue into something completely different about if anyone asks for a fee to audition, please know that it's criminal and pathetic, which we all agree. Yeah, it is criminal. I mean, there's a lot of that going on, too. I mean, and there's still a lot of that. <laughs> there's and a I lot speak of that out against that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, January Jones, as hot as you are. <laughs> and I loved you in your X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. I have to disagree with you. Uh, Paul, I know you you agree with January, but... I don't know. It just it's it's become the new normal ever since the pandemic. Well, well okay. Let, let, let me put it to you like this: in the era of corrections on the like, you could have somebody just have really good program on their phone where they could take away any flaw in your performance. Just like music, music, you have singers <laughs> who are pop stars right now who cannot sing a lick to That's save their true. life because they're auto tune. So you you have that kind of stuff going on too. So if you're a multimillionaire. <laughs> trying to get a roll over some guy who's some random guy coming from his house they're going to beat you out every single time oh boy <laughs> another Not thing sure is, i agree but well one thing that that janet jones is an offer actress and i read this yeah. in the comments yeah. she's at a point in her career where she's just offered a role she doesn't really need to audition so the folks that still have to audition you know um it's it's a lot of time and effort and money you know I, at the end of the when, day when you're thinking of the stuff like that we go up for, you know, if you're thinking of New York, you're thinking of Blue Bloods or Law and Order, they're auditioning, you know, eight, eight, ten roll, eight, ten day player roles per per week or more, and yeah. and just the ability to just bring them in on tape and and pick the ones, go to the producer, they they can move so much faster. But, but then again, also you have this too. I've noticed this with some. I'm not naming any casting directors. There are some casting directors that play the play. Uh, play and they have their favorites i mean and it's been going on for a while i mean it's a common thing known okay. in the business it's, i mean that's so also I mean, it's like your your tape you might send them a tape and it might get right in the garbage they might might never see it yeah. if you go in person at least they see you and you might have an opportunity of winning the role maybe maybe and then let's not forget the other perspective for the from the casting director standpoint and the, and the client director standpoint they once you self-tape to whatever portal using, whether it's Actors Access, Casting Networks, your your work is there digitally, and you're saving all that effort from you know the audition room up for the casting to upload all those video files uh, and present them to the client. So I think it's a it's a great thing for actors and it's a great thing for casting directors. If, so. if it actually goes to the client, as I said, I mean I would say maybe twenty five percent women. I mean, just I, based on, I mean, I know for a fact by certain <laughs> TV shows, certain people were used certain amounts mm. of times because it was a play for, for play type of thing. And there's okay. casting direction. So it also All has right. TV shows. If you know what I'm, if you know well, what I'm talking you're, you're, about. You're also self-employed, Paul. So you have a little bit more liberty to travel for an audition than, than other people. So that also uh, <laughs> lends in your favor, but that's all. I just wanted the, your guys perspective on that topic. And, uh, so we got two for disagree with January Jones, and we have one for January Jones. So, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. If if John Favreau wants me to audition out in L.A. in person, I will be there tomorrow. You will you will get on that, that plane. Now, what if it was Kathleen Kennedy? That's a different story, right? <laughs> oh wait! Oh my God! If it's Star Wars related, dude, I will literally fly uh, yeah. anywhere in the world for that audition. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> It's always been my goal to do something in the Star Wars. Well, what, what if what if it's for that um, the director of uh, the Last Jedi? What if he decides to audition you for a Star Wars role in his movie? 
Ryan Johnson, he Ryan can Johnson, do anything, yeah. man. He's yeah, he's a great director. Absolutely, I, I liked I liked the Last Jedi, so I I don't have a problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, funny, most, you're you're in the minority there. Well, it's interesting because most of Gen X and little bit a little bit of older millennials, annual crowd, do not like the Last Jedi, but the younger millennial and Gen Z crowd love the Last Jedi. So it's it's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, because you know we're, we're the old school fans. Uh, I mean, I do agree with what Ryan Johnson was trying to do. From what I heard in the interview, yeah, he was trying to destroy all Star Wars lore and just start over from the beginning, which I think is a good idea, in some degree, to have a whole new story instead of just focusing on Skywalker mm-hmm. saga. But he shouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> well, uh, I guess this sort of topic of Star Wars. I was going to go a little out of order then. Um, the special topic is. Produce your own Star Wars film or TV show okay. with your favorite actors, your favorite director, and what particular timeline would you choose? And um, I know I sent the, uh, the heads up a little yeah. bit on the email, but if you didn't see it, this is a good time to test your improv skills. So let's start with the Sith Lord. Um, okay. What I would, would you start, produce? I would start right after the Clone Wars and have a group of bounty hunters hunting down i guess uh pirates because you know how that you had those pirates out there and eventually they come across the bad batch and they wind up teaming up to start their own rebellion against the empire wow okay that that's a a, a timeline that we've seen in, in the clone wars uh mm-hmm. animated series and you want to expand on that yeah i think there's a lot to go see that's just a timeline that's not done much it's like it just needs some and these And what are you thinking for? Are you thinking a series or are you thinking um, a film? And uh, what are you thinking as um, far as maybe maybe and... a three film series? I mean, okay. for, as for actors, I mean, I'll probably go with all new and unknown talent because I mean that's because okay. I mean if you go with more established <laughs> people, it's like it's just you lose something. Yeah, I love that. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying there won't be cameos of other characters, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. That's probably the best way to go about it. That's fantastic. Uh, how, how about you, Dan Franco? Yeah, the one thing I always wanted, and we we've sort of been given some of this, um, with between Rebels kind of got into that territory, and uh, Obi Wan got into that. I always wanted to see that period of time between Episode Three and Episode Four, where Darth Vader was traveling the universe, wiping out the Jedi. Um, and yes. and you know and and just just see him being the 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 force of of you know the the empire and and just this mm-hmm. badass um and we got a lot of that they they gave that to us so that that was always the thing i wanted to see um what would be cool and we and, got a little bit of that in the Ob- obi-wan series yeah. yeah 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 um and 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 i guess the inquisitors kind of took over that role i i really wanted sure. to see darth vader being the one to go to go hunt these guys down. Um, I think it would be cool. And this is probably more of a movie than a series, but um, uh, I always thought of like uh, along the lines of like that, that scene in aliens when they go into, you know, and you're looking at everything through, through the, the, the camera, almost, almost found footage esque. Okay. Yeah. A, 
a a clone team that's gone into a place where where a prior clone team has been lost and some rancor or some some type of of monster is so and i think ed sanchez would be the perfect person to direct that you know yes um and uh and i would like to be you know obviously i can't be one of the clones because that's all going to be tomorrow morrison i mean but, would it be would it be similar to the episode that had the like i guess what were they uh what were the like bug people called the geonosian uh zombie type of thing? yeah because there was an episode where like these clones were going to this cave and the geonosian uh zombies were killing them yeah kind, kind so, of like that what do you call it? kind of like um i think that they were was that parasite too kind of like the last of us was taking him over. I don't know. I think it was. I don't remember that one. Mm-hmm. And who? Yeah, but they were all like undead Geonosians that were being controlled by one central being attacking these clones. But who would you cast that in this? this oh, I mean, I, lo- I love what you're saying. You got to uh, cast yourself, right? Myself, you know. Yes, um, yes, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, um, who would you like to work opposite of? Um. I don't know. I think I think like like uh, Paul said. I think Star Wars is fun when you get people who you don't necessarily know from. You know, you don't want to see Robert Downey Jr. pop up in in Star Wars because he's Robert Downey Jr. He's Iron Man. He's all yeah. these other things. You want like Daisy Ridley, most of it, John Boyega. I, obviously, people have seen Boyega in, it, but that wasn't like right. a massive. Yeah, he was on big name. Yeah. Um, so I, I think staying in that just just finding the next the next new new group of people for the you know so I don't know um, I I got a bunch of friends that I that I would, would suggest you know <laughs> <laughs> I love it well I want well you could have Star Shop as Stormtroopers like uh, Daniel Craig did at yeah, yeah. yeah if if I were to ever uh, produce my own um, I want to do something uh, more for the older Star Wars fans and um. And I know Quentin Tarantino has talked about doing a rated R Star Trek movie, yeah, yeah. but and I know that he works so well with Leonardo DiCaprio, oh, and Leonardo DiCaprio is one of the biggest Star Wars fans ever. He just never worked on a project, yeah. but I feel if we can get one movie from uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, and I think the best timeline is that that sweet spot. Um, Right after either episode four, um, or uh, or you know between episode three and four seems like that really good sweet spot. Um, yeah, um, but um, maybe um, you know I was always uh, fascinated by the Twi'leks, and maybe uh, a story okay. about Ella Sakura, and maybe having um Leonardo DiCaprio as um. Kind of like a Han Solo type of character. Um, and if we were going into that sweet spot, because that's when the Han Solo movie came out. Yeah. Why not bring back, instead of Alden Ehrenreich, and with the advancement of the aging technology, a young Han Solo to make a cameo. Harrison Ford voice. That would be a good idea. Um, in that same, and I love Game of Thrones, as you know, and I love Amelia Clark. Yeah. Daenerys, who was in the Solo. I know she has a contract, so why not bring her into that fold as well so we have um but you got you, know, you got to bring back donald glover and you got to bring yeah you got to bring back donald glover but maybe yeah, this Lando time great maybe this time bring back is he still uh, going to be in love with the Millennium falcon or no 
<laughs> I mean, it would be great. Like that, that window gives you the chance because the one thing they haven't done in live action yet, and I keep waiting for it, um, is bring back is bring Hondo in. Um, the is it Hondo, right? The the the, the pirate. Yeah, see that that's what I was going to be a, it's kind of hunting a yeah. little bit too, but my yeah. my series, yeah. but but that is a good that is a good character to bring in. Yeah. yeah, so that that's that's where I would go. I would go for the timeline of uh, Han Solo in the Solo movie, um, with some of the major players being Leonardo DiCaprio's a uh, character, um, a young Han Solo, Donald Glover, Amelia Clark as Ail- as um, her character Hira, and then um, Ayla Secura as well. So. That's, I mean, uh, is this going to be tied into the solo movie at all? Because remember, she kind of like became bad for a while. Do you think she could have? We been... need answers. We yeah. need answers. And the... I'm, I'm hoping we get that sequel. I, I, I actually enjoyed the movie. I, I'm hoping we get right. a chance to. Well, I mean, right. the next villain would have been Darth Maul. It's like, how can you yeah. go wrong with Darth Maul as a villain? Yeah. So. And, but and I'm, I you, think... you, you mentioned it in the in the teaser up front. You know, like, right. I, the uh, I'm really bummed that the this, the Rogue Squadron movie got shelved. Um, yeah, it, let's talk about that, I was really looking guys. forward to that. Rogue Squadron was always this this just cool little thing off to the side, you know, in the yeah. comics. And, like, we heard about it. Like, when they were the Rogue Squadron, when they were in the Speeders, right, on, on Hoth? Yeah, right. Yeah, but, um, you know, I want to see the thing that made them the, the – give, gave them the reputation, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I do have that piece of information, if I can get to that. Um, so, so yeah. Somebody told me this though. I mean, did you hear about the, the fact that they're just going to be outsourcing it? And I heard like in a report to like um, Disney, because he's not confident with the writers, he's going to outsource a lot of Star Wars material. So that could be good. Right. So so you don't have the same type of writers pushing the same type of stuff in every single well, movie. Kathleen Kennedy. Um, I think. Well, that's announced... one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons yeah. they're outsourcing she, it because they don't. She want... she actually announced the the um. Patty Jenkins um, directed uh, Rogue Squadron, as you were saying, but Disney. But, but the I heard title. it was a mess. Patty Jenkins didn't agree with half the stuff they were. I, I just heard it was yeah so, so far so, behind. I mean. so yeah, Disney pulled the title from its scheduled uh, mm-hmm. December 2023 release, and they confirmed that that film is dead. And also, there was a, a Kevin Feige. Star Wars feature that is also no longer in active development of Lucasfilm. So both those films are uh, are dead in the water right now. But and, I mean, but as I said, if they're outsourcing, I think that'd be good because then you could get like a Quentin Tarantino or somebody who, because he's he's probably I don't I know he's a Star Trek fan. I don't know if he's a Star Wars fan, but he was talking about doing a Star Trek movie. So I mean, then that opens the doors for other directors, and you get different views on stuff. And, yeah, well, a popular director is Taika Waititi. Yep. And the latest with him, well, they, they, they did establish a December 2025 release for Taika Waititi's possible Star Wars feature, but they haven't made any advancement on that yet. So, um, and that's only two years from now. So, you if know, they don't I, have is it going to be the, is it going to be him as the IG robot? <laughs> he was the most. <laughs> the I, whole I, movie I, about the IG robot that. I guarantee you his voice will return at some point. Um, but uh, I guess I it's a good time. Like, I kind of like having a nice gap for the movies. It makes the movies special. And, yes. and yep. you know, having yes. a, a series and then a little break and then a series and a little break. 
Um, well, that's, that, that's of, what Lucas used to do because he said if you do too many, you're going to just oversaturate the market and people aren't going to want to watch as much. And he was right. Yeah, absolutely. So, but let's talk about the series that we do love and the series that has very little negative reviews, and that's The Mandalorian. We're into season three, episodes one and two. We didn't get to discuss one last week. Um, so we're going to talk about both episodes. Um, let's start with uh, episode one, uh, called The Apostate. Uh, so uh, Din Djarin, um, yeah, the apostate means like basically someone that breaks their vow, you know, like religious vow, yeah. or whatever. So he wants to redeem himself by, uh, you know, telling um, the armor, who you might have heard in the opening promo, uh, that. Uh, in order to redeem himself, he has to bathe in the living waters <laughs> in Mandalore. And we just open up with, um, which looks like some kind of like baptism ceremony, yeah. I guess. For uh, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, it, it, it felt like they were giving us a little redirect or misdirect because it, it almost we I I I thought we were watching Din Djarin's, um Mandalorian yes. ceremony from As years youth, years right? ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then they, uh, of course, that had to be interrupted by a giant alligator-type beast. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. That thing was ginormous. Uh, and, uh, of course, Mando saves the day, right? Then Jaren with his, uh, I guess, uh, prequel ship. Yeah, his sweet Naboo. <laughs> Naboo, Naboo Starfighter. Uh, yeah. Starfighter. Yep. He'd, um, yeah, the fact they take... can make the toys out of an old toy that they already have. Yep, and he was successful in using that toy uh, to <laughs> destroy that alligator monster. And, um, you know, the armor tells him, yeah, you know, uh, if you want to atone, you, you have to go to Mandalore. So, uh, and then he goes to seek uh, some guidance from Bo Katan. And um, she says, See, she advises him not to. If you want to go, be my guest, you know, but. Speaking of Game of Thrones, she looked like she was chilling at Dragonstone. Right? Hanging oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> she looked... <laughs> that castle was absolutely beautiful, right? Yeah. Uh, so then he goes to um, the home planet of um, Carl Weathers' um, High Magistrate. Um, the name of the planet's escaping me. Um, if someone knows it, please tell me. But uh, I do. I had it earlier. Um, yeah, I forget what it is. I forgot. But actually, he was he he got promoted to high magistrate. He, he got promoted to high magistrate. magistrate. They explained what happened to Cara Dune, as you know, she she was fired. Yeah, he got promoted by dating story. Rocky. That's how he got promoted to high magistrate. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and the planet looked amazing. You had like these salacious crumb creatures in the trees. Yeah, it was great. And uh, Dinjarin tells um, Car Weathers. Um, Someone please tell me Carol Weathers' character name before I... Uh, uh, grief, Grief Karga. Grief Karga, thank you. Grief Karga. Sure. That uh, he wants his IG droid back. Uh, IG-11, I believe, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's, or Taika yeah. Watiti, so... Voiced by Taika Watiti, that's right. And uh, the Jarn successfully able to put him back to power. But he, then he starts attacking uh, Grogu. Navarro. They were Navarro. Navarro. <laughs> gotta gotta remember Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction. I yeah. <laughs> <remember that. laughs> um so you 
know, IG-88, apparently they destroyed the, the circuit board because uh, uh, Grief Karga's other droid dropped some kind of statue on the top of his head, so completely crushed it. And uh, now uh, now he's on the, the hunt for a, um, a circuit board for this IG uh, droid. So um, apparently they, we also saw the return of the Anzellans, those little cute little... Uh, I guess droid repair creature. You mean like Bobo Frank or whatever? Bobo Frank. So I don't yeah. know. They didn't confirm whether it was Bobo Frick or just other members right. of his species. But it, what I love about Mandalorian, they pay respect to all Star Wars iterations. Yeah. So the pit droids for I the. Think Gregory tried to eat them. Yes, I, I don't know if he's trying to eat them or hug them. You know. He kept picking them up like he he's going to eat him. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think he was going to try to eat him or hug him? I, I think I, he was I trying to know. eat him. To be hug him? Yeah. I, I don't know. know. He ate this big spider thing. So, I mean, I wouldn't doubt if he wasn't trying to eat him. He did eat a big spider. You're right. Um, and, and the fish eggs. but uh, The fish eggs. The frog, frog eggs. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, yeah, those those little creatures, I'm not sure if it's Babu Frick or not. But, like I was saying, I think it's very cool that he was able to bring characters from the new films and characters yep. from the original prequels into one show. And that's, I thought that's really cool. Yep. Just paying respect to both of them, you know, which is really cool. Um, so now he's got a, but I didn't, did you hear about the controversy where Kathleen Kennedy was pissed? Remember when they were showing all the old helmets, they, they took out, uh, the one from, uh, what's his name from Kylo Ren. Originally that was filmed too, but they, but, uh, Favreau was like, now we're taking that out. And she got pissed at him for doing that. In the opening. In the opening thing, yeah. Really? So he purposely did that. He's rotating around for different. Well, the rumor is he he wants to reset the whole universe and be like, that's not part of this universe. Oh, I don't. Dude, it's so So that's what the rumor is. And he went behind her back and had. That's he went behind her back and took it out. So it's like, I heard she was pissed and complained about it. I mean, they rotate them through. I'm sure it'll be there in another. You know, one of the next. I don't know. I that sounds like something a Sith Lord, a rumor Sith Lord started. <laughs> I'm not buying it. Hey, I didn't start that one, but I mean, I did hear it. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Uh, but um, it and was a fun Din episode. Got, got sideways with some pirates, so we got a really nice uh, space chase scene. Yes. Yep. Yes. And yes, I kept the- I kept waiting. I was hoping that one of those. Uh, um, Boba Fett death charges was going to pop out of the back of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been cool. And of course yep. he went to hyper hyperspace. Yeah. So, uh, to escape said pirates. So, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fun, fun episode. Um, am I missing it, was, it was a solid, I mean, you know, a solid yeah. going back. Cause it's been aside from the little half season where he took over both the Boba Fett book right. of Boba Fett. You know, it's been three years, so you know it, yeah, it was right. a solid getting getting back, getting out all the the set pieces kind of re reestablished and 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 moving, getting things in motion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to episode two, which uh, dropped today. Uh, it was called "The Minds of Mandalore," and um, we see the return of Pelimoto, uh, uh, Amy Sedaris. Yeah. Well, I think is uh, plays a great character. She's she's a lot of fun, and uh, I'm still trying to get over the fact she dated one of those uh, Jawas um, <laughs> oh, really? a while back. Oh yeah, it's, I remember uh, that. Interspecies sex, you know, in the galaxy. <laughs> then again, she never said she had sex with him, but uh, 
She's, but anyway, she's great in that role too. She's fantastic in that role. So, so yeah, Mando visits her, asks about the uh, the circuit board for the IG droid, but mm-hmm. she didn't have one. Neither did the Jawas, but they did have the R5 droid. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mando begrudgingly, I guess, agrees to to to, to get R5 uh, on board to uh take a trip with uh with him to mandalore so um so yeah so they go to mandalore and uh yeah it was pretty much what they said it was a a barren wasteland uh this uh, with destruction and man um and seemingly the only forms of life were these like gigantic nomadic um, Neanderthal, Neanderthal yeah. types yeah. of yeah. creatures. I don't know. It took me. A, those creatures reminded something that would be in, in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, it did. It, it kind of took me out of the Star Wars uh, universe seeing, <laughs> seeing those uh, these Neanderthal. It was leftover props. These creatures, yeah. And then uh, he encounters a very very cool looking spider droid, which yeah, he was like he was like part. Um, the, uh, General Grievous, it? part right. steampunk, like he's steampunk General General Grievous. Steampunk <laughs> General Grievous. It was a super cool looking creature, and um, the creature uh, captured uh, Dinjarin, and then uh, of course Grogu at this point is smart enough yeah. to know how to get back to Bo-Katan. <laughs> I was I had to try to believe that, you know. When Mando tells him go to you know go back to uh, Bo-Katan's planet, get her for help. That's probably my biggest criticism. I mean, yeah. he's he's able to easily. Well, well, I don't know. I mean, is there a button on the ship where it just returned to the previous location? Maybe? No, but the droid he was able to point to to the planet on the map because they'd established which planet was yeah. her. Um, now, True. did any of you think that he was going to roll up with the dark saber and and take care of business himself? You know what? Yeah, I thought I thought it was gonna be Mando taking care of um, the business himself with the dark saber, and he used it successfully against the caveman. I meant yep. Grogu. I mean, the thing was laying there. Oh, you talking about Grogu using up. it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know what? He is. He has him picking up everything, doing the backflips and stuff. I mean, he he's been trained by Luke Skywalker. He knows how to handle yep. a saber. And Favreau uh, said he was there for roughly two years. Um, so okay. He, he was he didn't just have like you know three days on Dagobah with Yoda. He he had some legit training. So he was going during the duration of the show being off the air, right? Yeah. Right. But so Grogu goes back to uh Bo Katan's planet, gets uh Bo Katan to uh rescue Dinjarin, and then we see Bo Katan using the uh the Darksaber quite well. Um and after several attempts destroys and about two thirds through this episode, it became the Bo-Katan show. Like right? she is now the Mandalorian. Like she was so badass. Right. So not only did Bo-Katan save Mando's ass once, once meaning from the General Grievous character, yep. then a second time. So we get to finally the living waters of Mandalore. Uh, Bo-Katan agrees to stay with Din Djarin to try to help him because, you know, he doesn't. Dinjar doesn't know yeah. where these living waters are, so she guides him to the living waters, and uh, he, he gets in the waters, and he's now, I guess, he is uh, redeemed, redeemed uh, as per creed, 
and then some kind of crazy sea monster sucks him down <laughs> and Bo-Katan <laughs> rescues him for the second time. So, uh, so that, that's, that's, that's big time. That's that, the that, that visual of her jetpacking under the water was just amazing. Right? That, that was such yeah. a cool set piece. That was amazing. So, so the Dinjarin's redeemed now, right? The witness being Bo-Katan. He, he yeah, I is, guess so. Oh, what's interesting is that Bo-Katan, she does not go by the creed. She's part of the the Mandalorians that uh, do not adhere to the helmet rule. Is that correct? Yeah, right. Because she, she has her helmet off most of the time too. Exactly. She? So I guess they're kind of like the. But the, to see, but the thing is, with the helmet rule, it makes it so much easier with his uh, filming schedule. Yeah. <laughs> with always well, got the last of us. He has, all he has to go into the uh, voiceover booth too. <laughs> the dude. He'll be filming the last of us and then go home and just do the voiceover and then be like, eh, I'm done. Yeah, I, I have a feeling 90, 95% of the guy in the suit is not Pedro Pascal. They didn't really no, they say it. They say it's John Wayne's uh, a grandson or something because he, they say, he, well, like, he has like two, two different um, stunt doubles depending on what's called for. And so there's okay. a lot, and, and they do. It's yeah. as much them that we see on screen as as him. So, do you think that Pedro Pascal was only in the suit those two times that he took off the helmet? Once to use the ATM machine, and the second time to to hold baby Grogu and have a record. <laughs> no, I I think he's done more than that. But yeah, um, well, I, I don't know because he was complaining about that because it was uncomfortable. So I I don't know. I mean. Early on, okay. maybe in the first season, but I mean the later seasons, I mean, and some of the second season, but I mean I don't know if he's in a suit anymore. Okay. I, I, my guess is that it depends on what they need from from the the character for the day. If he's just walking, they don't need to bring Pedro in for that. But if it's if even though the face is is obscured, he right. can emote with that yeah. with that helmet on, and I think they they that's probably him. That that's that's his but, time. In his well, when they say the walking is uh, John right. Wayne's uh, grandson because uh, he has a, he knows how to walk. Walk like a Western character. That's what I heard. That's why I casted him for that role. And then the sponsor, the separate stunt guy. And I think it's interesting. Wasn't Pedro nominated for an award as as Ma- the Mandalorian? Because how do you judge someone's that. acting performance behind a helmet? It's right. Tough. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he was nominated. I, I, I mean, well, I what that, what about, what's his name? Uh, the guy who played Smeagol. Um, forget his name. You know who I'm talking about? Andy Circus. Andy, Andy Circus, he he won an Oscar or something, and he was just green screened the whole time, he right? Was the motion capture for yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it, yeah. that motion capture. If you when you look at the behind the scenes, he's doing the work like that. That yeah. gets captured in that character, so it it's exactly. it's uh I I think. But they, I, they, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like wearing a mask a little bit, and mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. My thing, my thing, I'm trying to figure out is you know, so you've got. You know, Star Wars is always this finding the balance between this extreme and that extreme, the light and the dark, or right. in this case, the 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 zealotist kind of cult that he's part of, yeah. and and the people. So what's gonna? I kind of feel like he and and Bo are gonna sort of bring each other to the middle a little bit. He's gonna bring her a little bit more back towards the creed, and she's gonna bring him a little bit a little bit away yeah. that he can be just as as complete of a person without without having to adhere to that to to all of that you know yeah and, and that's probably going to be you know I, I don't know where it's going but i would i would like to think that that's sort of the the, the, 
path we're on. And but wasn't the backstory where he was like adopted? He wasn't even like a normal right. Mandalorian. Right. Now, if by Creed they have to keep their helmets on, yes. how do they find someone to have the baby Mandalorians with? Obviously, are you meeting your mate with another helmet? So I guess, I guess, uh, I guess you just, they didn't say you have to keep your pants on. You just have to keep your helmet <laughs> on. <laughs> but don't you want to see your future wife? I mean, I, well, I don't know. No, well, I don't know. How does that work when some of those Muslim ca- ca- uh, cultures where they have like the wives all covered up? I mean, is that... I mean, I don't know. That, I mean, I know, I know the they house. do inside the house. Oh, okay. they, can, they can wear whatever they want. So it's maybe it's maybe it's the same as that. You know what I mean? Like where so, he's if he's inside the house with his wife, he could have it off. And I don't know. Yeah, they weren't clear of the, the the helmet rules. I mean, obviously, when you take a shower, you have to. I mean, but you're by yourself, or is it only when the presence of other people? I don't know. I have questions. <laughs> I don't know. But what if there's two air? Well, we need to get John Favreau on the show and, and get some answers. <laughs> there you. That's I got everybody swallowing the show. I can get John Favreau on the show. God, <laughs> that was a big get for Below the Belt, by the way. Big and, get. Shout out to a PR Machine, our friends over at PR Machine for setting up with Emily Swallow the Mandalorian. Sorry, the armorer from the Mandalorian. So, and hey, he's uh, got he's got a Baltimore connection. He was out here for four months on the on the replacements back in two thousand. So. <laughs> yeah. Ninety-nine. There you go. There you go. You gotta love those connections. Well, let's there's more than Star Wars to talk about, right? Um, so let's uh, let's switch gears. Let's talk about other stuff going in the world of entertainment. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. There is more than Star Wars uh, going on in the world of entertainment. Uh, well, we always start with the box office. Um, Creed 3, uh, the number one movie with a 58.7 million debut, setting a franchise record. And, see, uh, see, I'm disappointed about that because they moved it away to California instead of uh, Philadelphia, like that, all, all the Creed So you, you lost work, Paul. So you're sad you lost work. Yeah, well, they are doing a Rocky movie, so I'll get some work on the Rocky movie once I get the <laughs> There you go. They'll make it up for the Rocky movie. But you know, Creed three, um, yeah, dethroned the two-time um, champ uh, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, well, that that movie was just kind of weak to begin with. I mean, did you watch it? It just, I don't know. It's, I saw. I, I saw Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania, although it wasn't my favorite uh, Marvel MCU movie. I thought it was still very entertaining. I wouldn't put it at the top. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, 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 would, I would rank it below. I mean, it's better than um, Eternals. It's uh, it's probably well, initially gonna... initially had the Eternal, the Eternals and the Ant Man Wasp Quantumania were in the bottom of the MCU mm-hmm. um, as far as critics' choice, but um, audiences liked it. You know. I mean, I don't know. I didn't like the Modok the way they did Modok. I didn't like some of the story. I think it was kind of clunky. I think. I, I think they could have done more with um, the big bad. I mean, I don't want to. If nobody saw that, I don't want to reveal who it is. Yet. You haven't seen so, it. Yet. I mean, but but the big bad is supposed to be like the new Thanos, and so yeah, I, I just don't see it. Which we know is is Jonathan Majors, um, Kang the Conqueror. The well, we'll tread lightly. I don't want to release that. We'll tread lightly. Okay. If they watch if they watch Loki, then they, if they, they watch know. Loki, then they know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but going back to to Creed though, Michael B. Jordan actually directed yep. 
this, which is interesting because I'm always curious because Sam Medina, I guess a little later, wrote, yeah. directed, and starred in his film. Michael B. Jordan um, directed his film and starred in. I'm cu- I, I'm just blown away how you can direct yourself in a boxing ring and go back and watch yourself and then go back to the ring. I'm just curious how how that. I'm, I'm sure the AD um, gets a hell. The, hell of a AD, lot. The, the AD handles most of that. Yeah, I, I can imagine the assistant director definitely uh, steps up in that in that case. But uh, very very positive reviews of of that particular um, film and a movie that I oh my gosh if I wasn't so busy and if I didn't if I wasn't in out of town last week I would have seen Cocaine Bear. Mm-hmm. That's the number three movie. See, that um, should be the number one movie because at least that's an original story. Because I mean, instead of something just being recycled, based, loosely death, based on a true story, Paul, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, the fourth and fifth movie, um, it's an anime movie. The fourth film is Demon Slayer. And uh, Lionsgate's Jesus Revolution rounds up the top five. Um, but um, interesting, for an uh, article on Creed 3, Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson's pr- uh, prep for uh, Creed 3 in an unusual way. They went to couples therapy together. And I yeah. guess in a, in a very method way of, of I mean, were of, they getting along? Like, I mean, beforehand, did they have like a falling out or something? Or yeah, no, I, I think they. Well, see, really... I, I kind of like. I mean, wasn't it like some controversy with Tessa Thompson about the vaccine, where she, where people were calling her out because she didn't want to get vaccinated? Do you think they he might have taken offense to that, and they might have just really had? I don't know. Is that her? I thought that was on uh, on Black Panther. I thought that, that was, was her Shuri. Too. It was her too because they said something about her also. I didn't. I, I mean, didn't but, know that about uh, Tessa Thompson. Yeah, I didn't think she had. Any yeah, because a lot of people were saying like that. Then they might because the rumor was they were going to recast her. So maybe maybe that's what it is, and I, maybe he took offense to that. I mean, I don't know. I I really honestly don't think so. I mean, you know, this is you know they're they're playing longtime love interests. So yeah, and they're married and have a child in Creed three, but um, but I think it's really interesting that they actually went outside of being on set to further their character development, went to a couple's therapy. I just think that's really unusual. Um, right. It's kind of odd. I don't know. Just to kind of get more in character is kind of weird. Um, um, also um, dropping next week, which is sure to be the number one movie. I'm sure is scream six. Um, and that's project projected to debut to, to at least 35 million again uh, uh, you're recycling something that should have been done with a long time ago and it just i don't know i'm not i'm not excited about it at all especially when did you kill one of the main characters off in the last movie that's like just i don't know well yeah that's still a spoiler for people that hadn't seen scream 5 but you still have one original character in that campbell that did not return for scream 6 but you do have an original character from scream 4 Hayden Panettiere's uh, Kirby yeah. Reed character will be returning in Scream Six, and she took a long hiatus from acting. If you didn't know, um, wasn't like that Nashville, like a breakdown or something like that, or yeah, yeah, she is going through some mental health issues. Um, she split with her husband, and her husband lives in the Ukraine, so they have shared custody, you know, of their kid, and the kid has to be spent half the time in Ukraine, half the time with her. Okay, oh, so that you know that could. Well, that can kind of lead to to some some stress and yeah. and depression, I'm sure. Um, and she also had part postpartum depression after having her daughter. She also admitted to substance abuse challenges um, 
while filming and after filming Nashville, which I wasn't even aware of. Um, but uh, she was ready after all that, after Nashville, which ended in 2018. Yep. You notice she really hasn't been in anything since. She just reached out to the producers and she's, she's ready to come back. And they found a way to put her in Scream 6. So I think that's, that's cool. really great. Uh, you know, uh, Hayden Panettiere is a great actress. Loved her in Heroes. And I just don't see how they could even do like Ghostface now because they've kind of went through all the options for Ghostface. It's like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. You're just... You just yeah. scratching. I don't know. It's like you're kind of like going too far. It's almost as bad as Jason's face. It's like yeah. Well, one thing they can back on is the star power Jenna Ortega, who's one of the the stars of the Scream Six films. So, um, and my prediction is she will be the final girl. They're going to capitalize on her popularity from Wednesday, and if they want to continue, she could be that final girl type. Hold on, Paul. I was saying that uh, Dan Franco knows about being the final girl, which I thought was funny because you said the last time. I was like, don't you have to be a girl? Technically? Right, <laughs> you, right. Dan Franco's character was the final guy girl oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in his film. So. Um, but um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Scream 6. I, I'll, I'll check it out. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then the week after Shazam, Fury of the Gods yeah. in, and uh, Apparently, um, everybody, if you if you love Shazam, if you love Zachary Levi as Shazam, you're going to go want to go out and watch this movie because this will factor in whether, whether this film will carry over into the new DCU, right. uh, which is gone. Because these last four movies are, are that we're going to see, um, Flash, Shazam, Aquaman, and I'm missing one more. Um, there's four. Uh, I remember. Oh, oh, Uncle Man. Right? Let's see. Lost Kingdom. Um, yeah. The the um if this Shazam film does well, then it, I guess it could carry technically over to the TCU, but we'll have to see. I mean, um, apparently. Well, I heard. I don't know. I mean, I, I heard the Rock kind of hurt some of the stuff. Like, I mean, uh, so I don't know if his. Because Rock was saying there should be no Shazam, so the Rock was pushing to get rid of Shazam, so they might just keep him at spite. I don't know. Wow. Because the Rock was like, oh no, Shazam doesn't need to be in this universe. It's like, because the Rock yeah. wanted to be a printer. I think the Rock wanted. I to don't know, that. man. I mean, the, the, if anything, Shazam was one of the shining stars in the DC. Yeah, I, I think it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's good. I mean, I think, I think it's going to do well enough where they will keep it and. And I think they eventually they're bringing Henry Cavill back too. As I said, it was just because the Rock, the Rock was like, "Oh, let's let's have a separate universe with Henry Cavill and me, and we could be like fighting back and forth every movie, and then have one final movie." Because he was like going ahead of every, like he would go behind James Gunn's back and talk to our higher ups before they changed higher ups, and that's what he was. That's what pissed everybody off with him. Yeah, that's fair. Because his star power, he was trying to use to kind of manipulate the whole system. Okay. That that first Shazam was was so damn much fun and, and like, was. like like it. I didn't know anything about the character. I it just was one of those ones that was completely off my radar. Just just not something I I really got into. And right. that was a blast. Like just the so, sad thing is I was asked to be on it and I didn't realize what it was. They said, "Do you want to be on the film Franklin?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, do I want to be on the film that Ben Franklin?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> they always use code names because that's that was the code name for it, and that's that's. Yeah. They want to keep the super fans offset, I think. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're gonna have like tons of like fan 
Yeah, but that's not even close. It's like you would think about that being the code name for the film is Franklin. It's like so. So whoever came up with it did a good job. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did, and that's really just a shout out to uh, the city of Philadelphia, really. Um, but you know, Helen Mirren's in the Shazam movie. Lucy Liu is in it. Rachel, Rachel Zegler is in it. She's, yeah. she's like the new it girl coming through. Like she's got this, she's got the new hunger games. She had yeah. West Side story. She was West amazing. Side story. In that. Yeah. She's a pretty girl too. She's gonna, she's gonna do really well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hope it does well. And I hope James Gunn, if it does well, considers taking Shazam over to DC. Yeah. yeah, so we'll have to see. Um, but what movies do we have coming up? Um, we do have a new animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And, I don't like uh, that at all. I yes. don't like the producer of it. I, I think he's I think he's a piece of trash. Um, wow. I think I think the race swapping thing is much. I mean, you could create a whole new character, but I mean, I just don't like him at all. I mean, I was asked to work on his movie Pickled, and I didn't do that because he's just a piece okay. of garbage. I mean, he's he's probably <laughs> the worst thing in Hollywood. So, when you're saying the worst, who are you alluding to when you say the worst thing in Hollywood? Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. You're saying he he's the worst. He's just a piece of a hateful piece of trash. And I if <laughs> I said if I worked worked on film, I mean they asked me to work on it. I was like, no, I I, I was afraid I would probably hit him because he's just that much of a dick. I mean, I really hate Seth Rogen. I mean, have you ever worked personally worked with the guy? I've heard so many stories. I've seen what he says. He's hateful. I mean, he came up with that Christmas movie, like just bashing people. He's just a piece of trash. He pushed a. I mean, I worked with um his buddy. I mean, and uh, he like threw him to the side, James Franco. And it's like James Franco. I mean, he had That's his Dad's faults. Brother, by the way. <laughs> but, but but you yeah he had his faults, but still. They grew up together, and he pushed him to the side and threw him to the wolves. It's like that's just there wasn't much, there wasn't much loyalty. I, I, I yeah, yeah, I know, but I mean, like but, stuff he says on Twitter, he's just a he's garbage human being. Okay. I mean, he's hateful. He's hateful to everybody. And, and Darth Darth Paul, you're you're Sith Lord. You're definitely entitled yeah. to your opinion. I mean, so I mean, I, I just think he's gonna ruin the turtle thing. I, I don't know I why they would give it to him. I haven't worked with him, and, and can. Can agree or disagree. I refuse with... to work with him. I don't care if I got paid a million dollars and got a leading role. I wouldn't work with him. The views they expressed on behind on below the belt show are not necessarily <laughs> those of the host or other guests. Right. <laughs> That's why we bring Mr. Controversy once in a while, stir up the pot. But uh, but yeah, I mean the 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 voice cast is pretty impressive. I mean you have Rose Byrne, you have Hannibal Burris, um, John Cena, wow, Jackie Chan mm-hmm. as Splinter. Ice Cube. And yes, I know you're alluding to Ayo and Dabiri, who is now April O'Neil. Um, now, as a person of color, I had no problem with when you well, swap something out. Hold on, Paul. Let, please let me. Okay. Please let me. It is, it is an animated feature. What I do have a problem with is April O'Neil was all about the, the sexy girl in a yellow jumpsuit and now they're making her kind of frumpy with glasses and yeah. you know kind of like i don't know the cut you know like if you're gonna make her kind of like Velma, fine, huh? but now you're it's changing like Velma, right hold on hold on paul now you're changing her whole <laughs> persona of being mm-hmm. the pretty girl that helps the turtles out you know because yeah. clearly when they're animating this character they did not have previous iterations of april o'neill in mind 
And that's right. I think they're just a, this is a little too far on that, you know, like why not keep her, you know, the attractive, the attractive girl that we were used to seeing. And then like Megan Fox portrayed April yeah. previously. You're right. They're, they're cosplayers. Well, I mean, what, I, what I'm thinking is why not just come up with a new character? Cause the turtles going to have more than one girlfriend. You know what I mean? It's like, how stupid are people? It's like, just use common sense. Okay. If you want that character, have it as a new character. And hey, me, people might love that character just as much as April O'Neil, but it's stupid. The person's name is April O'Neil, which is an Irish name in the first place. It's like, you can't race. Hey, hey don't forget Shaquille O'Neal, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think Dan Frank was blushing from the... the <laughs> <laughs> the opinions of one Darth Paul Wallace, but uh, nonetheless. Hey, well, uh, you have to tell like it is because I mean it's getting worse. I mean, and the films that <laughs> prove it. I mean, look at the product, look at the box offices. I mean, people don't want to see that anymore. They want to see what they like. And and I, yeah, as I said, I don't. I have no problem with her being black. I have no problem with her. What what she looks like, she should be a whole new character. You can't just keep switching characters out by just because you want like Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell has. In the cartoon, because I watched it with my niece, they're a black friend. Why is Tinkerbell black now? Instead, why don't they just bring her friend and make girls love the friend as much as Tinkerbell? You know what I mean? And the new live action uh, Peter Pan. I did see that. Dan, you had a point that you wanted to bring up. You just say that the the box office is the box office is because you know people just we have these these great home setups setups and i just said that like christopher walken we have these great home setups for <laughs> our movies um <laughs> everybody has these great home theater setups and and they don't want to go and listen to the asshole behind them talk to the whole movie like the the theater experience is is, is becoming less fun and more well expensive. i mean i'm talking about like even ratings like you like you look at the netflix ratings netflix is laying a lot of people off and the message streaming service is struggling right now too because people don't want to see it the the numbers are down. The numbers are definitely down without a doubt. And I you want have to come up with original later, content. I want to talk about the Chris Rock special, but uh, okay. Um, a couple more movie things here. Um, this is a, a film by IFC starring Owen Wilson and um, kind of loosely based on uh, Bob Ross. It's yeah. called Paint. Well, it looked like a lot of fun. Did you see the trailer, yeah. Dan? Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun. Um, and basically they're saying, what if Bob Ross was challenged for public broadcasting, painting supremacy, supremacy by a younger and more inclusive artist? So, uh, uh, film sounds like a lot of fun, um, and it will be uh, released theatrically in April. So look out for that. And, um, I gotta say, I am stoked to be uh, headed to Austin, Texas. Yours truly will be covering, the amazing South by Southwest Festival. I am so stoked to be out there with our sister show. Click on this. Nice. Um, uh, our our founder and producer extraordinaire Elena Muscat and actor Johnny Alonzo uh, will be in the house um, and uh, just some uh, South by Southwest highlights. Um, although you know. Sundance and Cannes are, are, are the, the considered the biggest festivals. Yeah. Um, they consider South by Southwest a must stop. Also, some films well, include has, uh, South by Southwest has better music. To be honest with you, it has and it has the music festival as well, which we're really looking forward to. But one of the cool things, uh, well, we have the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie, which um, I was actually surprised that this big blockbuster film was considered a part of that slate, but it is, which is kind of cool. That's going to be a lot of fun. 
Um, Evil Dead Rise, which is a decade after the last chapter in the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, is that Bruce should be. Campbell going to be in it? Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Is Bruce Campbell going to be in it? Because I mean, this... like even like that other one, like I mean, they he did a, like the like end credits he popped. Okay, up so Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi, and Bruce Campbell, who directed and started the original films respectively, are back as executive producers. And uh, Lee Cronin, the hole in the ground Halmer, is writing and directing. Um, so there you go. Um, I mean, but he's not going to be because it, it's the last one. He's the cameo by by Ash, but I I don't know. It doesn't allude here. We'll have to look that up on IMDb. Yeah, because the end of the like, if you watch the end credits of the last movie, like you see the silhouette of a guy with a chainsaw arm. It's like that's got to be Ash, and it's like, <laughs> right. and he said groovy, so I'm pretty sure. But uh, they just never, I just thought maybe he might have made a, an appearance yeah. on it. They have a, a biopic on Tetris, which was, uh, for the kids in the 90s, Tetris was a staple. Of wait, wait, wait. With, so what is it? Are you just watching blocks just move up and down the screen? <laughs> well, it's like, it's the biopic of it and how, yeah, how it, it how revolution, made okay. yeah, revolutionized the, the game. Well, I heard, did you know about this? I mean, I heard it was like actually made by Russians as like a training thing and somehow it it became so big it actually became a video game in this country even though we weren't getting along with the russians at the time yeah they're gonna talk about the whole russian involvement um yeah the, the two the two period pieces that one and the the michael jordan the the nike movie air yeah, damon and affleck those both look really good they both look great don't they yeah yep so that's another one uh, we have lucky hank which is a which is bob, uh, bob odenkirk's first tv project so they also uh feature uh television shows that will be dropping as well i mean i, I like bob Odenkirk. i think he does a great job i mean i think he kind of stays that's gonna be good movie. yep they're also doing a probably one of pick. the greatest writers we have around too most people don't realize he writes a lot of stuff now this is a fun one this is a drama called flaming hot which is a frito-lay janitor oh, yeah. who decided to put his creative work to the forefront and and created the the flaming hot Cheetos. Yeah, I've seen you know? that. Really? Um, uh, th that story goes around every now and then. He yeah. janitor at at uh, you know no college, no I don't think he even finished high school. Yeah, no short, education. But, right. But he uh, you know Frito Lay at the time was going through uh, the the CEO of the company just said, hey, anyone's ideas, you know, let me know, let me hear them. And he went home yeah. and he wanted something more, more spicy, so he took Cheetos and he went home and made his own. Uh, mixed, tossed him in it, and uh, it took him up, flew out to Boston or wherever Frito Lay is headquartered, and, and took him in. And they now he's he, that that he he's hit. no longer sweeping floors. He's no longer sweeping floors. <laughs> what a story, man! From I mean, I, I'm sure he he was given an executive position uh, within the company, I guess, right? For, yeah, for yeah. Development of the probably a product development of nothing else. Yeah. I think what I saw is that he took home a batch of un like he took like a batch of Cheetos off the line before they got thrown in the in the normal Cheeto mix, took them home and then experimented with different peppers and, and That's cool. powders and how and, cool. What an yeah. American dream, man, right? Yeah. And um Eva Lagoria will be directing this one. Oh cool. So that that should be really, really cool. Um, Donald Glover and Atlanta writer and producer Janine Neighbors are co-creating a dark series on Amazon about a socially awkward woman named Dre obsessed with a Beyonce-esque musical sensation. So I guess uh, not necessarily Beyonce, but like a, 
a pop star. So more, more. You said it's gonna be like the movie The Fan with Robert De Niro, kind of, sort of. Sure, uh, that sounds right. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what it was. It like he was like a big baseball fan of. Yeah, I'm a really big fan of uh, Betty Gilpin. Um, she was in that series Glow. She's yeah. got a new show called Mrs. Davis that's gonna be on Peacock, and um, it's about a powerful, um, all-knowing algorithm. Um, and it's a nun that aims to stop this AI algorithm. So it's pretty deep. Um, I guess the algorithm is up to no good. I don't know that this AI breakthrough basically. Um, so it basically has audiences debating the battle between religion and technology. So maybe this AI um, kind of conflicts religion in some way. And it's the well, nun's the- job to stop the um, technology from Satan took over to AI and she has to Satan. fight it. Oh, Satan's <laughs> running AI and Mrs. Davis is going to run. <laughs> right. um, and then you have Elizabeth Olsen in Love and Death, uh, which is the um, series about Kenny Montgomery. So that's also going to be a part. She's in like everything now, isn't she? She's like. L- Elizabeth Olsen is just, yeah, she's amazing. She's I mean, it's weird because like you, you would think her sisters would have been in more, but they just kind of retired. Yep. Yep. Um. You can do that when you're a multimillionaire at eight. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Well, was she also the millionaire or was it just her sisters? I guess her sisters. She, she wasn't. I mean, I, I don't know what how it was spread across the family, but um, she appeared in some of their stuff, but she she wasn't part of, of that whole thing. Right. No. And she's like the way more talented one of all of them. She is the most talented one out of all of them, no doubt. Yeah. Um, if you didn't want to sit in the theater for Avatar, Way of the Water, it's going to be available digitally on March 28th. Well, it's already a three-hour film, but um, yeah, you're going to get more features um, on this, extended features. Um, <laughs> three so it's hours. Be like six hours now. <laughs> three hours of bonus materials focusing on topics such as performance capture, creating the undersea world of Pandora, et cetera. So it will be more big behind the scenes, not more like deleted scenes if they needed it. So if you have a whole day off and you're sick, there's a whole day for you right there. There's a whole day. Just watch the Avatar <laughs> Way of the Water. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we have a couple movies in production. We have um, The Crooked Man. So this is, um, I guess, the third take on the Hellboy franchise because mm. Hellboy was kind of like a hit for the first iteration and then it was a bomb for the second one with David Harbour. Yeah. I think Ron Perlman was successful. This is a third one, but instead of calling it Hellboy, they're calling it the crooked man, uh, which I'm not sure about that. I mean, does it have Hellboy in it or no? It does, but it's Yellowstone actor, Jefferson white and Adeline Rudolph. And it's a new take on the comic book anti-hero. Okay. So it's a script penned by the Hellboy comic book creator Mike McDonald, Chris Golden. So it's still, still the same. Well, at least they're penning it because I mean, I mean, I think that was a problem. You need like if you have a creator of something, they should be the one who write. Like, I think Todd McFarlane should write Spawn. I mean, he shouldn't. Uh, I think he is, but I mean, I think that's how it should be. If you create right. something, you would have the most knowledge of them, a way of making it good. Yeah. Yeah, but what might make you a good comic book writer might not make you a good screenplay writer. That's true. It's a completely different medium. Yeah. It's all about that structure. You know, you can yep. do the 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 comic book bubbles, but can you put it on the script and make it yeah, you know, make yeah, sense, you know? It's a completely different animal, Big Paul. Um 
Uh, let's I, see. I would think Todd McFarlane is one of the ones that could do both. You know, he just seems mm, like yes. he, he would he would be able to be to go in both. Yeah, yeah, he's had areas. a lot of success in that area. So yeah, I, I would definitely be confident about that. And hopefully, we'll be getting that Spawn movie because I interviewed Todd McFarlane a couple of years ago at the New York Comic Con, and he said it's still in pre-production, but it's going to happen. So, yeah. Speaking of New York and be, comics, he wants Daredevil, to be Daredevil's back in production. I know, right? Okay, let's skip ahead. Yeah, this is pretty Yeah, but, I, but, but I, I'm disappointed on that. Uh, no, I'm disappointed on that, and they're bringing well, the Punisher back, see, too. But it's like, I just don't like Disney's. I just uh, think so, Disney's going to ruin it. Oh, boy. Oh, well. <laughs> look, at this, look at what Disney did with Daredevil, the first right. iteration that he's been She-Hulk, and they they okay. ruined his character. Well, let's 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 talk about it. What, what, what the news is, John Bernthal is returning to his most punishing role uh, to reprise Frank Castle, the anti-hero Punisher in Daredevil Born Again, and of course, uh, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. See, this is why Marvel is so good, because Kevin Feige found a way. Kevin Feige, I think, is the problem with Marvel right now. I think it Hold was on, fine no. before. Okay. No, no. Kevin Feige is the reason why it works, Paul. God damn it. The reason why it works is because he knows how to seamlessly bring all these different iterations, Marvel on Netflix, MCU, Fox, X-Men, and bring it together in a cohesive, understandable way. I just, I, I don't think, I don't see it. Like Phase what? 4. What? Phase 4, I just not like, and Phase 4 went nowhere. What was the purpose of Phase 4? Phase four was basically bridge the the gap of, of of the introduction of characters because you had to retire certain characters. Yeah, I just didn't like being snapped away. You had like maybe you had maybe two good films in phase four and maybe one good show, maybe two good shows. But I mean that's that's pushing it, and the rest was garbage. Okay. That that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. One vision was great. Uh, One vision was good for half the show. The first half was like, <laughs> did not need this to. Guy, this Sith Lord is a tough one to fucking please, dude. No, I'm, I'm just being honest, and, and that's what you need to do. It's that is like, your opinion. I mean, I love WandaVision. You hated She-Hulk. I love She-Hulk. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it, <laughs> again, the views expressed by the Darth Lord. <laughs> Darth Paul Wallace does not necessarily reflect the rest of the Below the Belt show hosts and guests. Um, but um, no, I love, like I said, bringing John Bernthal in to Daredevil is fantastic because, you know. It, it, but, but what if they, yeah, but the thing is, if it doesn't live up to what it was, you ruined the whole character. So. I don't know. I don't know. Because, PG it, and then when you PG it, you can't do a PG. I think they're going to ruin it. I, I honestly, I don't, they ruined Daredevil. I don't it's think like Daredevil would come back if they were going to water the character down. I think he he has too much else going on, too much just he's he's one of the most in demand actors right now, and I'm sure he had right. long conversations and said, "Look, I don't want this to be some Disney version of Frank Castle. If it is, I'm going to skip it." Right, exactly. It depends on how many zeros are on his check. I guess, I guess. Um, and one thing, um, Jeremy Renner, um, Hawkeye has a show called Renovations, which is a reality show on Disney Plus, and it's a four-part awesome series. Guy. I work with him. I mean, he, he's he's really down to earth. I mean, he's, it's a shame. I he just got wish hurt. him well. Yeah, I wish him well. He's he's uh, recovering from his snowplow accident. Mm-hmm. 
but they just dropped the trailer for his docu series renovations and uh it's pretty cool um yeah. just um yeah it's just uh, basically renovating cars automobiles and uh, uh overhauling decommissioned government vehicles to help communities yeah. around the world you know um kind of cool kind of a cool thing um so well, he's that uh, type of guy he, he was always like talking to people on set and he was always like a chilled laid back i mean just i mean he was genuine i mean you don't have a lot of that around anymore yeah yeah i, I know he's not he's the opposite of seth rogan in your opinion right yes okay. <laughs> same, same with that stallone stallone's awesome too i mean i have nothing bad to say stallone yeah. actually went door to door to ask permission to film in the neighborhood which he did not have to do just because he's like that. I mean, he's a, all the people he's that a, people hate. Guy. I, I was happy to work with Stallone in a, um, a commercial for Facebook groups uh, shooting on the Rocky Steps at the Philadelphia oh, yeah. Art Museum. And well, cool. uh, that was a lot of fun. Paul, you should have been that. That was a gig I'm sure you would have loved working on because uh, I think during the cut or like during, during, um, yeah, in between takes, Stallone goes to the. Who wants a selfie? And everybody <laughs> trying to get selfies is <laughs> alone. And the producers are like, whoa, dude. There's like hundreds and hundreds of extra background actors, you know. And you're like, yeah, he, he's like that. He's there for it. Like, I mean, I worked, with him, a selfie? I worked, <laughs> I worked on him with him on Escape Plan 3 and I worked with him on uh, Creed. So yeah. it's Creed 1 and Creed 2. So he's just like genuine. I mean, it's just. Yeah. I mean, in some of the scenes I worked on, I mean, there was only like two or three people on the set, and he would try to make everybody feel accommodated. Yeah. I haven't seen Tulsa Kings yet, but I thought his work on Creed was the best of his career. Like, the the, the direction they took that Rocky character and just, just the, the, the simplicity in what he did was, was just beautiful. It was. Well, I'm under an impression he's probably going to do the same thing with the next Rocky movie, where it seems like, remember how he went back home to his son? I have a hunch that he's going to train his son or his grandson and have the box, and eventually his grandson or son's going to box Creed. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, I don't think I didn't. I didn't think they were going to. He he said he's got a script for a next Rocky movie that it's never going to happen because he and Irwin Winkler are just just can't come to terms. And and I guess he, I, guess I mean I know he, I know he I know he was writing and I heard it was coming up but I don't know I heard it was going to film like maybe this year or next year. He tweeted That's out that it's a movie you're never going to see. You know he so he, he took he tweeted out some pictures of his notes. He said you're never going to see it but it was a really good good movie. Interesting. All right. One more thing and then we'll take a classic cut break and uh, this is the the Star Wars thing that I I missed the first time. Um, so apparently Lucasfilm has been hit by a wrongful termination lawsuit from executive producer Karen McCarthy, who apparently was hired to work on the Acolyte. This is the upcoming, uh, Disney plus series. So this is the first series that takes place in a timeline before episode one, because before episode one, we haven't seen anything live action, which I'm really curious to see that timeline. Yeah. 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 And apparently it was, um, yeah, she's suing because of wrongful termination where she would have earned millions of dollars over the life of the series. And apparently um, without explanation, reason, justification. Um, but is that what happened with their bound on walking dead too? That might've been a very similar situation. Yeah. I mean, remember they had to pay him a lot of money too, because uh, they just kind of like pushed him to the side. 
depends how much she contributed to the creative aspect. But if they hired her early on and she didn't contribute much, then yeah, right. It but Darabont was all walking that he was the one who kind of came up with the concept. Yeah, it wouldn't be so. it wouldn't be a situation in that case. But um, you know, I'll, let's talk a little bit about Last of Us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Before we uh take a classic cut break, um. Last of Us episode eight, uh, eight point one million viewers. Oh my god, a phenomenal episode. Um, Troy Baker, who is actually the Joel. voice actor of Joel, yeah, and mm-hmm. he, I guess he did the motion capture as well yeah. in the 2013 game and the sequel 2020 was in it as one of those cannibals, <laughs> which we, I guess we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a big WTF moment. It gave me a lot of the Walking Dead Terminus vibes. Yeah. When I was watching it, but um wow, what an episode and uh as you know that uh, Joel was you know Ellie saved Joel, you know, uh, found some uh, stitches to kind of close up the the gunshot yeah. wound that he'd suffered. And then we get to the story of what happened to the guy that was murdered by the hands of Joel and ends up being a part of this community. And uh, it starts off pretty dark because the daughter asks why they haven't buried their father yet. Yeah. And we now know the reason why they haven't buried the father is because he's going to be on the dinner table, uh, which is so oh, man, that's crazy. Oh, that's so freaking unbelievably macabre, disgusting, gross, oh, shocking. I mean, any word you could think of. Um, they even, I mean, they talked about they still had some elk or rabbit left, but they're still, I mean, maybe it's a last resort. <laughs> yeah, chop up the human. But they were talking about how much, how many animals they still had left, and they, they were, you know, as, as you saw early in the episode, they were able to get the deer that uh, Ellie shot and killed, and that yeah. sure was plenty enough meat. But then you find out in the episode they're serving members of their own community, and they put this big like pan of. Um, mystery meat in front of the the chef yeah. or whatever and then they ask what is it what kind of meat is it? it's venison i'm like oh boy but the venison was brought into the scene with the giant deer so where did that venison come from it wasn't yeah. fucking venison it was fucking human <laughs> oh man it was crazy and um that i gotta give props to that that actor um uh who played the leader of that group uh, his last name's Shepard, um, and I, I had to look it up to see if he was related to, to um, uh, Shepherd? Sam Shepard, but he's not. Um, okay. But but he's done he's done stuff. He's he's one of those working actors that's just been in a ton of stuff. And, yeah, and, yeah. He, he, he was he was um, really eerie, but it but not all the way until it was time to be all the way. He wasn't like right. Right, he was not like the governor that right out of the way. That dude was just. Right. Yeah, he was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he he walked that line really well, and then yeah, um, man, it and and Bella Ramsey, man, she is they 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 are just phenomenal. Like getting a chance to really like came onto the scene in in, in this like novel little character in Game of Thrones that we yes. So we've the all little been there. Yeah. Yeah. Leanna Mormont. <laughs> yeah. But but just the last two episodes, especially for for her, just have the 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 flashback to the mall and then yes this they're this is the next julia garner just popping off right here in front of us you know you think she's the next julia garner wow i, I, I don't I know about that 
I think that I think she it's it's going to that to that level. Like I, I do. She's good. She's damn good, and I never thought the the little bear. I mean, do you think it's the acting that's bad, or do you think it's the writing? Because I mean, I was always thinking about that about like actors. It's like, are they as good as? Because you have great actors in B movies, and it's like they just have crappy material. It's like I don't. I mean, well, the material is good. It's source material from the video game, but obviously the screenwriters have to do a a good job of Mm -hmm. developing that. And um, and Dan, you guessed it correctly. Paul wasn't a fan of episode three, but. No, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> so, yeah, we all know how. We all know. How I mean, do you know what I did? I know, but do you know what? I, I didn't mind as much because it wasn't so woke. Because I mean, like I mean, it kind of like was. He had no. He kind of like was like, and the world's I, over. I, at least I'm gonna be here. We know. We know. We know. Sometimes where your thought process goes, dark Paul. But I, nonetheless, no, I mean, as I said, I have no problem with that. It's just, as I said, it's just I don't want that thrown in every single film and movie. It just doesn't need to be in every single film and movie. And nobody wants that. It's like, hey, I don't care. It's like if somebody loves somebody, then they love somebody. But they don't. They you don't need it in every movie. All right. Before I open a can of worms. <laughs> It's a good time to take a classic cup break, but I cannot yeah. wait for the finale. Um, I didn't play the game, and I'm glad I didn't play the game because yeah. I, I'm sure there is a a very satisfying ending. Dan, are you familiar with how the game ends? I haven't played the game. I'm I'm just I, I feel like we're just hitting a stride, and now there's only two yeah. hours left. It's it really it it sucks. These these short seasons just kill yeah. me. Yeah, and one thing I gotta mention is. Joel didn't wasn't really the big hero. He yeah. kind of he met Ellie at the end, but it was all yeah. Ellie just being badass and, and yeah. taking care of David and, and and breaking his thumb and and stabbing him and and lighting the damn place on fire. And uh, yeah. it was just it was insane. It was an insane episode. Um, but but my, how long do you think Joel's gonna be left though? Because I mean, the second game he's got he died off camera so it's like they could oh, keep him around forever or do you think they spoilers as i said no it could be completely different than the walking dead move books too because remember rick lived to the end so all right paul come on. <laughs> jesus christ dude well, i thought you guys knew that i mean from from well, the second game. The game people we just mentioned that we haven't we haven't uh, played the game so okay but well, I, I thought you still knew from back from knowledge about looking stuff yeah. up on it i mean yeah well like, <laughs> Jeez. But then again, as I said, he could live the entire series, and then they could just <laughs> do some other spinoff. Uh, well, let's go and take a let's go and take a classic cut break. Um, and uh, I thought we were talking about Star Wars earlier, and I was thinking, well, we've played some like the Word Al Yankovic, you know, song. We've played uh, Blink One Eight Two's uh, Star Wars song. I was trying to think what's a good pop culture Star Wars song, and I found the perfect one. It's the uh, Star Wars theme disco version from the 70s. Nice. Which was dropped uh, around the time of the first movie. And they did a disco take on it, which also yeah. includes the uh, the Mos Eisley Cantina theme. You know, so it was kind of fun. So I figured that would be a, a great classic cut. When we get back. We're going to talk to yeah. Sam Medina, actor, director, writer of this great movie, 22, The Unforgettable Soldier. And um, if Dan is hanging with us for 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 this, that'd be awesome. If you if you if Dan you're uh... yeah, I think I can hang hang out. All right, awesome. And uh, we're gonna wrap up that. Um, so we'll be back right after the classic cut.
All right, that was Star Wars. Are you getting the Great. groove, man? You know, getting the groovy disco, galactic. Uh, <laughs> that was a really cool, uh, cool rendition that came out around 1977. I can uh, around the time of. Uh, was uh, that for the animated? First... Uh, not the animated Christmas special. It wasn't for the Christmas special. I believe they just uh, disco was uh, the hot genre in the 70s, so they just wanted to capitalize on that. So. I always love the um the Bill Murray skit on Saturday Night Live where he's singing Star Wars in the lounge, like the hotel lounge in Colorado. Yeah. It's Star yep. Wars, if they should Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah, see, you know, they, they need to bring Saturday Night Live back. Just have like, it's just not what it used to be. It used to be like more, I don't know, just more edgy. It was a little edgy, and you know, we we enjoyed the uh, a lot of the earlier iterations of Star Wars. Uh, yeah, yeah. The yes, good, the good people, not the people, not the crap they have now. <laughs> the very opinionated <laughs> Sith Lord here on BTV. Although I will, I would not hesitate to guest star on Star Wars or be a background actor. I'd probably do it. Um, all right. Well, what what else do we have on HBO? Well, um, okay. so Dan, you watched uh, House of the Dragon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Were Love you a it. fan of it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the House of Dragons showrunner released a small tease of what fans can expect from season two of the Game of Thrones prequel. And we're going to meet five new dragons. So what, what I think is awesome is that these dragons, um, the sky's the limit now, because I think with the advancement of CG, I, we can see a lot more dragons uh, in this uh, in this iteration of, uh, of Game of Thrones uh well, it's technically Game of Thrones because we're listening to the same theme song, so I still yeah, feel like right. I'm watching. I do have a question: Is it going to be like a time jump like last time, or is it going to be like the same actors, or did I they think say the anything? Time like jumps that? are done. Yeah, okay. we, yeah, we saw like three time jumps roughly, right? And yeah. um, and I, I always very critical because I think um, the actress uh, is the same age as her son now. <laughs> which yeah, is you're right. You know, the, um, the disappointing know. thing was was the, that that younger actress, the the younger version of uh, Rhaenyra's, was so good, and and yes. I wasn't ready to let her go yet. You know. Um, yes. In my opinion, they should have kept the same actors through season one. Yeah. And then yeah, we, I was we that satisfied. Too. And then they, then they should do that. Exactly. We would have been satisfied. They can say their goodbyes, and then we bring in the new actors for season two. I think they rushed it. I agree with you there. And the who I was alluding and to. And that opposite is with Star Wars Episode One. I think they should have done young Anakin for half the movie, then go to Hayden Christensen the second half. But that's just uh, yeah. I just think it would have been better that way. Yeah, that's true. But Olivia Cook, who's uh, who plays Allison Hightower, that's who I was alluding to. Her son, because they had to do a couple time jumps, mm-hmm. yeah. is the same age. <laughs> That's her. So it's just like, so that's definitely border on the on the realistic aspect, you know. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Um, and uh, HBO Max's the Batman spinoff series, The Penguin, has cast yeah. Clancy Brown in a recurring role. That's cool. So, so that's uh, with Colin Farrell, uh, Kristen Miotti, who, if you didn't know, she was. Like, the- I did not realize that it was Colin Farrell until like later on. I was like, man, he's he had that much makeup on. The prosthetics were first first rate. Yeah, it must have been the same prosthetic person that did uh, Brendan Fraser in the Whale because yep. it looked that yeah, damn good. Yeah. It looked that damn good. 
And um, this is going to be this Penguin series in the same universe as Rob Pattinson's The Batman. Oh, that's so, and that's they're calling this the Else Worlds Batman. So we're still going to get a DCU cool. Batman, but I you, do you think it's going to be an Else Worlds uh, Batman Beyond? Because that would be cool if they do that, like a kind of a just a TV show. You know, we already had, have, they said they weren't going to do the movie, but what about a TV show? I think we already have two. Elseworlds, Batman worlds with the the Joker, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, and yeah. then Rob Pattinson. But I'm just saying, Batman. I'm just saying, like Batman Beyond's a whole different time. I uh, just, but... I don't think we should just jump around. I think if anything, okay. let's bring in the DCU version of Batman, and then we have the Rob Pattinson version of Batman. Okay. And there might be a, uh, you know, a Batman for the Joker movie too. So I, I well, there might like... be two. As I said, right now, technically, I think there's two DCU Batmans, right? Because. Yeah. Uh, you have both of them in there now. It's true. It's true. Yeah, we don't oversaturate it. And um, Barry is done, guys. HBO's uh, Barry. They announced that the last yeah. season will be the upcoming season, uh, which debuts on April sixteenth. So it was six- good, but I think I, I think I think taking the time off in between just hurt it. You think? Uh, you took what two years off or three years? It's they did. Just too much time. They did. I guess people have kind of moved on. People have maybe forgotten. Mm-hmm. They need a refresher. Yeah. Um, Succession doing the same thing. They're bow- bowing out for their fourth um, season. So. And Ted uh, Lasso. Ted, Ted Lasso. Falling out oh, after three. Are they done after three? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I wasn't sure because I knew they just dropped their season three trailer. I wasn't. Well, well, I heard Netflix is dumping a lot of stuff just because they're hurting for money right now. So. Well, this- well, this wasn't that theirs was not a, a they got dumped they just said we we want to tell yeah, a story already beginning middle end and right. and then we want to walk away at the top so they they just didn't yeah. want it to get stale so they, they well that's just, smart I mean that's how yeah. Veep was um let's talk about um Netflix since you brought it up <laughs> uh Chris Rock special let's talk about the Chris Rock Chris Rock special because this was in baltimore maryland and people yeah. were wondering did chris rock pick baltimore because that's where jada pinkett smith's yeah. from and i, I think got it was that, wow what a brilliant what a brilliant um, was, was it the hippodrome it was at the hippodrome which is a beautiful yeah, yeah. venue it was uh live on saturday night uh i think it was like directly uh competing with saturday, saturday, night, night, live. saturday night live yeah and uh it was just uh it was a fantastic, fantastic uh, uh, stand-up um, show, man. Chris Rock still still has it, man. Um, talked, talked a lot of like, um, you know, uh, truce uh, in in it. I'm sure a lot of people well, might disagree. Need, in comedy, that's what you need. I mean, the problem is comedy is just too watered down right now. Like he's good, Chappelle's good. I mean, you don't have a lot of that. You had George Carlin back in the day, but comedy's it's, dying. It's true, but he this this special was actually called Selective Outrage, and um, it's true. You know, it it talked about the selective outrage of of people you know, towards some individuals and other you know other individuals. Like, well, uh, did, did you ever hear about that movie that's kind of on hold right now, All Star Weekend, uh, with um Jamie Fox? I mean, it's not woke, and that's why it's on hold because it's kind of offensive. Right. You have Robert Downey Jr. playing playing an Asian guy, which. As a joke, not as to be offensive to anybody, but as a joke. And of course, Chris did not hold back. Yeah, he did not hold back when it when it came to talking about Will and Jada. He saved it for the end of the special, which I well, thought was, was of course yeah, he wanted you to perfect. get all the way to the end. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and he talked about you know um, yeah most common question was was I did I get hurt 
Um, yeah, it fucking hurt. <laughs> he said he still gets. <laughs> he played Muhammad the... Ali. I played Pookie. Yeah, exactly. He played <laughs> right. He played Pookie right. And it, and uh, he says he's got summertime ringing in my ears. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know he talked about that he's not the victim, and you'll never see him on Oprah or Gail King crying. Uh, he took it like Manny Pacquiao, which I don't or agree with. Or last day on on anymore. Manny Pacquiao is a tough yeah. motherfucker going to punch back. Yeah, so he is. I wouldn't. It's I not, wouldn't. Is he still like a? Isn't he like a big? Isn't he like a senator or something in Puerto Rico? Dude, that's the oh. wrong country, man. Oh, I thought he was a Philippines. Manny Pacquiao is for the Philippines, and I'm very. Oh, I thought he was from Puerto Rico. Sorry about that. Come on, man. But, but I knew he was a senator. But I mean, I, I thought I, I knew the place. Filipino motherfucker, Philippines. get it right, dude. <laughs> sorry. That's sorry so about that, I, man. Sorry about that. Manny Pacquiao is a proud Filipino. Okay, but but wasn't he like a senator or something? I mean, some... yes, but still, regardless. Okay, sorry about that. I, I, that for some reason, I was thinking. Just... No, that. I don't know Sorry how many people that. you can piss off on this show, Paul. <laughs> I, I'm usually, I'm usually Sorry. pretty, pretty good, but. Okay, sorry about of, that. This one kind that, of that was me. my fault on that one because I, I got that mixed up. That was my fault. I don't know how one. many people you can piss off on a single show. <laughs> I'm not trying to piss off anybody. I'm just being honest. But I mean, as I said, that one I'll, I'll take credit for because anyways, I, wanna, I, just, I got his nut belly. Manny Pacquiao stood toe to toe with Sugar Ray. I'm sorry. With see now you're messing me up. <laughs> so toe to toe with Floyd Mayweather. With Floyd Mayweather, and yeah. Chris Rock did not take it like Manny because Manny would have punched the f back. So that's the point I was trying to make. Okay. Yeah. So um, he also said that Will Smith is significantly bigger than me. We're not the same size. Will Smith does movies with his shirt off. You've never seen me do a movie with my shirt off. Um, and then, yes, uh, what Dan was saying, I played Pookie in New Jack City. I played a piece of corn in Booty Town. <laughs> <laughs> he talked about the entanglements. He said, everybody who really knows knows I had nothing to do with that shit. I didn't have any entanglements. Um, and, yeah, just pretty much went for the juggler. His wife was fucking her son's friend. I normally would not talk about this shit. Yeah. I have no idea why these two talent people would do something that effing low down. And then, uh, and then at the end, you know, he talked about emancipation. Did Will ever apologize? Will apologize, but it was a loose apology, you know. I think it was a very just <laughs> scripted loose apology. Oh, okay. But this one, this part when he talks about emancipation, he liked watching emancipation because he's he's getting whooped because as you know, Will Smith <laughs> portrays a a slave uh, in that, and um, apparently he was also asked why he, he didn't do anything after the slap. He said, because I got parents. I was raised, and you know what my parents taught me? Don't fight in front of white people. So there you go. Mic drop, boom, and uh, wow, that was... <laughs> I, so, so Will hit him. He hit him back. Now I hope it's over. Will, Will doesn't need to respond. Will doesn't need yes. to, to to make a comment. Yes. One, one, done. Like let's let's all move on from it. Yes. I agree, Dan. Yeah, that's how it should be. I agree. And um Did Will I'm make sure... a comment by chance? Will will, will make a comment. Uh, will he will it would it be on his social media? Mm. 
I don't know. We'll we'll have to, have to wait and find out. But you um, you would hope his PR team, you know, they've had about four days, five days now. They just it's it's over. I mean, yeah, there was there was a lot of buzz on Sunday, Monday. It's over for the most part. I mean, people, yeah, the, the world's moved on. This the next the next thing is up. Just you don't have to comment and bring it back into the cycle. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I don't think they got along to begin with. Then they like not like each other from the get go or something or something. There's well, some about back. how he loved Will Smith and that he, you know, he was he, he mentioned it during the special, you know, that that well, I think um, Will Smith had like some kind of beef with him. Not not that he had well, with Will Smith. Well, it came back to the, the one year that Chris Rock hosted. He, he mentioned it in the in the stand up. The year that he hosted the Oscars was the the year that. The, the the hashtag Oscar so white and and so they oh, okay. they wanted him to opt out of hosting the Oscars because the, the Jada Pinkett was calling on him to to opt out of of hosting because the 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 representation wasn't there in in the nominees and he's like well, no this is my job I'm not I'm not backing well, well that's that's what you shouldn't do you shouldn't give in to cancel culture because it's just going to make things worse for everybody <laughs> um. Well, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the special. Um, shout out to uh, B2B Zone, Martin Lopez, who was in the opening. That's cool. I guess the opening of the uh, people in line, standing in line about to see the show okay. because it did, did take place in Baltimore. It was cool to see him in the beginning. I'm very jealous he got to see that live. Um, that was, that it was so cool. Was it? I imagine. I mean, I, I went to the Dave Chappelle taping for his uh, special in D.C., uh, and um, it was quite pricey. So, but nonetheless, wow, <clears throat> we're welcoming our special guest. That's cool. Below, below the belt show, third time guest on BTV, actor, writer, director, extraordinary. He does it all now. Sam Medina back on BTV. What's up, Sam? What's up with you guys? Whose idea is this to stay up until almost 10 o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> we are night owls here on Below the Belt Show. Yo, I'm trying to stay. I had to be at 5 a.m. and work out, but I'm here. Yeah, we, 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 we all have early days, but we appreciate it, Sam. I, I wanted to talk about this movie because it was, man, what a work of art, man. Congratulations, first of all. The film's on Tubi. It's called 22, The Unforgotten Soldier. You're the director, writer, producer, and the star in it. I'm always curious how difficult it is to do all those wear all those hats in a single production because you know you're you know on camera then you got to run around to video village and then you got to go back you know how does it work to be the star and director at the same time I didn't have a budget of 200 million like Ben Affleck did for um Batman right but I understand why I almost made him quit everything I tell you, man, it's the hardest thing that I could ever have done. And, uh, you know, I did it because they sh they shut us down for COVID. We we packed our operation from when I first, when I talked with you guys last, we were in Las Vegas making things and making moves. And then when we had to move everything back here, it was very difficult. But, you know, we, had, we didn't have a choice. Uh, it was... An experience it nearly killed me. I mean, if you look at one of the pictures that they post, my my buddy's post, they made a they took a selfie with me when I was laying on that on that stretcher. That's literally me every single day. Uh, you know, we didn't have a full crew. We had uh, four persons. That's all we had. The movie. Wow. We had four oh, people. Man. Okay. That's that's a good film. 
watching it, I did not see a four man crew. It looked like you had a full 30, 40 person crew yeah, based saw. on the quality of the production. Thank you, man. You know, we, we, I had, I've been blessed. Uh, I, I took every single lessons from every single directors and I've been blessed to have a lot of legendary directors under my belt. And so I learned quite a bit what they do. Matter of fact, how I was doing it because I'm acting and directing, I got to make sure I hold the cat, hold the, the monitor to look at. I never went to video village. We didn't have video village. Okay. Uh-huh. We had cameras. Uh, and so I would hold a little camera, a little monitor, and I look at the, the framing to make sure it's, you know, it's right. what I want. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I have to watch the actor and I have to make sure emotionally ready to feed the actor to make sure their performance does not, you know, lack because of yeah, my right. And how I was able to do that was I normally get everybody's coverage first. And so that way I give them more opportunities to bring their goods and then after that it would just be me so i i was always the last one to do the takes and i didn't have time to learn the lines and that's how i learned the lines i mean uh my wife who's the who plays the therapist in the in the movie she worked in the office oh she did great too <laughs> thanks man. yeah she worked in the office for like like 40 people you know and we it, it took us two and a half years you know because i, I remember when I, I spoke to you guys i was flying back and forth and yeah. then, you know, this was in post-production for, for over a year. And then oh, us please. talking to all these distributors, uh, they were just going to take your movie, man, and run. And that's one thing that you guys got to understand. If you guys do anything on your own, mm-hmm. is that how we're doing it now? You don't want, you don't listen. You don't want to go to any sales agent. You don't want to go to a distributor. They're going to take your movie. Gonna, yeah, because you're going to get nothing from them when they do that. That's why you have to do everything yourself, and it's just a lot more work. Well, you know, it, it is, but the thing is that we're not $50,000 in the hole, and we someone else yeah. jacked our movie for five, seven, and ten years. It was a lot of work, to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. right now what you see is, is this is our production studio. I built this studio uh, after Katrina. It's actually a recording studio. So I have all my production equipment here. So if you look at here, this is all my my production equipment. Wow. All my production equipment. Look at that. All my music equipment. Holy smokes, look at that. All my music equipment. Oh, that, is, that is a lot, yeah. This is the mic booth with the lighting and camera gear in the back. Nice. Wow. So we, we, we're a one-stop shop. We do everything here, man, and, and that's how... You know, like I, I preach that to to independent guys, you know, because at the end of the day, you don't always have the studio money. And so you have to make something happen. You can't just sit and wait. And that's why, you know, with us, with this film, we couldn't wait because there was no crew. You couldn't leave the house. You couldn't do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we said, well, we want to do something for our veterans. And we, we shot the film. At first, it was just um, really a camera test. Um, our cinematographer, bless his heart, you know, this film is dedicated to him because he passed away. He he didn't get to see oh. the film. Uh, he died of uh, COVID pneumonia. Oh man. Yeah. So so so, you know, we 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 just started out as a camera test. You know, we raised some money and then we got lucky. We had a, a private backer that came in, you know, to give us some help, and that's how we made the film. So I appreciate you guys look at the film and the quality of it. No one would know that it's a four-man crew. Um, no oh, one yeah. would know 
you know, like I we you know I listened to Jocko Willing. Especially those yeah, war scenes, the war, the yeah. battle war scenes. My God, that you're telling me all that with the guns and the grenades and all the explosions. So let, me, let me tell you about the guns and the grenades, right? So our our producer in Las Vegas put this together. It was actually uh, we shot everything at uh, Battle uh, Las Vegas Battlefield, Battlefield Las Vegas, right? Because we didn't have any money to go to Morocco, we didn't have any money to go to Arizona, <laughs> Albuquerque, you know, on a big studio lot. Yeah, right. So our contact found us Battlefield Las Vegas and my buddy, who's also my assistant editor, my little brother, pretty much, he's the visual effects guy. So he removed all of the uh, electricity poles and wires. So wow. in Las Vegas. And I, I, I drove to Chicago because my other buddy owns a post-production studio in Chicago at the time. And we did the color grading there uh, so it, you know, it, the the film looks different even with after they did all that, right? A year and a half, I was still back here in this lab mixing, uh, 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 changing some of the color grading, yeah. uh, you know, uh, to to improve everything. And then of course, we did our own deliverables. Like you know, you wow. you oh, ship yeah. the movie to someone, they're gonna charge you twenty grand or whatever more to do yeah. deliverables. Right. right. That's crazy. That so was amazing. We did, yeah, we did all the deliverables here. I mean, it took us four months to get, you know, past QC for you guys to even see the film. I mean, uh, I was convinced you're in the Middle East. I mean, I saw sand, I saw <laughs> Middle Eastern actors, so I was convinced you're over there. That's all it takes is the right actors, the convincing. So my wife cast those guys. Uh, one of my buddies, Zico, I said, look, after this, you're not gonna play a terrorist anymore. I I how <laughs> about being filmed. At the time, I just didn't have anybody. So my wife cast her friends out of California and they came in for these two days. And she actually was the costume designer. She went on eBay and she bought all these costumes and she literally aged them. She aged them in the backyard, in the back patio, um, all the costumes. And, and I think that you, you guys are one of the first, uh, I just talked to uh, Montel Williams today that's going to be going out. But oh, dope. Yeah, you guys are going to be the first one that find out, like, really the scoop was we took um, two van, two, two 15 passenger van from New Orleans, and we drove to Las Vegas at 38 hours. Oh, wow. oh that's, a, that's a long trip, I mean. We had to. We didn't. We, we normally. We normally would go to Dallas, but I need to pick up uh, a two crew. Right. Mm -hmm. So we went through Houston and San, San Antonio. Then we drove up. We drove in 38 hours straight in. We slept that night. We filmed three days. All the battlefield, all the flashback scene you saw was only filmed in two and a half days. That's all I had. No way. That's all I had. Wow. That's crazy. And then, that was and then, and then, impressive. And then, dude, on the on the on the last day. I was literally, you saw the scene when we we did the cookie stuff, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, my mm -hmm. guys, that's a real story. A lot of those stories, like one of the guys that are, I'll help with the guy that's on the 50 caliber machine gun, because we trusted him. He's actually, he just came back from Iraq like two years ago. We trusted yeah. him with the 50 caliber, no one else. That story is that what happened to him and his friends in Iraq. And when he was telling me this, I was like, yo, this is kind of dope. Like, you guys are nuts. He said, dude, he said, dude, please put this in the film. So that was a scene of his. Well, I, I'm friends with a lot of Army Rangers, and some of the stuff that happened over there cannot be released to the public, but it, it was crazy stuff that happened over there. 
I mean, it's just so crazy. You just sit around and it just shit just go off and guys yep. just like, you know, grab a cookies and just like just mm-hmm. do shit. But then you know, I I, yep. I find that you know sometimes that can that can fuck with you in a sense where you really when you're yeah. here, you always gonna think you at war, man. And I think that one of the reasons why we did the film is because of that. And then you saw all the veterans that was in the uh, the therapy scene. Those are all real veterans. I mean. Well, yeah, I was curious great. about that scene because I was like, these stories seem so real. I don't, I'm not sure if they're actors, but you're saying they weren't actors. They're actual veterans telling their stories. They, they weren't actors. Um, at the time, this was very special because we wanted to do something for veterans by veterans. Yeah. And I said, you know, it's already enough. I couldn't trust anyone else to play the main character. Yeah. Right. But I don't want to get into these these veterans' head. I want to cast veterans and let them tell their story. And so it's part documentary. That's always yes, good. That's what my wife said. My wife said it's kind of like a mixture Wait. of the film and documentary. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I worked on a film place. called Cherry, uh, starring Tom Holland, and I donated all my money to the Wounded Warrior Project to help the veterans because I mean it's about a veteran suffering P- from PTSD because I've had people who committed suicide or f- had burn for depression and all kinds of stuff because people don't realize what a lot of the veterans went through in it, the Gulf War and. and you know, there's, there's, there's still something on. The, the reason why I chose to make this film was my buddy Chuck. You know, he's my buddy uh, for the last 17 years. Matter of fact, I met Chuck on my first acting classes in 2005. Mm-hmm. That's how, and then every week, when I see him three times a week, he would tell me about all the, all the war stories in Vietnam. Right. And how he he had you know uh, the the survivors go because most of his buddies got killed, and and that's how I was always compelled to tell a story to tie it into what he went through, and oh. I'm telling you guys now just as I will tell all the news station as we starting to make our rounds and I'm gonna tell the Hollywood people it's funny but sad and ironic that it took a kid like me that came from Vietnam to make a film to honor the Vietnam vets. Whoa, yo, that's that's yeah. deep. Because because a lot of them when they do it, you know, like they did the in the five bloods and they do those things, it's fine. But right. they really yeah. never sit down and talk to these veterans, and, and these veterans never had these things where it says, you know what, my brother, welcome home. Even the Vietnam War vets, those was all their shit, man. Like that this is yeah, right. you, know, I, you know, I gave them some sides. They just couldn't deal with it. We say, you know what, man? We're just going to let the camera roll. Yeah. You tell me what you would need to tell me so that's I awesome. would not go do the deed. And, so, you know, that's 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 what happened with those guys. Yeah. So, Sam, the title of the film, 22, The Unforgotten Soldier, the number 22 is a big significance because there's, on average, 22 suicides a day from veterans um, from PTSD. That's an accurate uh, yeah. statistic, correct? Actually, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slightly higher now because they they locked all of them down after, you know, when they did the COVID and none of the veterans can go and get their treatment. And so they were locked down in their house. Oh, so what I was told yeah, was Williams today that the numbers had climbed a lot higher because oh, God. none of the none of their help was accessible to them. And, and we're doing this for this round, but then we're, we're going to do like you, right? We're going to donate money and time and I want to create TV series. I want to create TV series to where yeah. veterans come to work. Uh, unfortunately, usually when you you guys go on 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 show, usually it's just one veteran that get to work. Yeah, you're right. 
ones get to send home, you know? And so we want to, we want to include them, not just in front of the camera, but we want to. Well, the thing is too, too, if you work with the veterans, I mean, I work with them all the time and uh, like you learn stuff too. Like you do learn more weapons handling, the proper way of handling weapons that you normally wouldn't be handling. And they, they have so much stories and so much depth to teach you about things. Well, you know, I was blessed when when you guys saw Mile 22. We went to train with some really special op guys, and they were nuts, man. Uh, for Mile 22, they definitely yes. But I've always been a uh, a gun enthusiast. You know, coming from where I came from, we we weren't allowed to have any kind of weapons to defend ourselves. You know, pretty much the mm-hmm. would come in, they just take your shit and they be like, "Yo, yeah, what right? are you gonna do about it?" Right? So we. I really value that 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 right that we have here, man, because a lot of people here do not know what it's like when people sure. just come to you and you know they they it's an eye for an eye, man. There's no You're there's, right. there's no yeah. due process. There's no due process. If they feel like you're guilty, they take you outside, they shoot you, and that's that that's a wrap. You know? And oh, so man. and so to come here to get to do what we do, even just sitting here now, we're we're, we're shooting the shit. We're able to have yeah, you're right. to shoot the shit, you know, from all parts of the country or the world. I mean, holy shit, you know what I mean? Look what we can do. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, I want to go back to in I Vietnam, go back. We didn't have that. In Vietnam, we didn't have that. We didn't have TV. There you go. I didn't have a bathroom, bro. There was no oh, bathroom. There was no hot. Yeah, water. my dad was over there as an MP, and he said he told me like he said like there were stories where like. He 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 used to like get candy and just hand it out to kids because the kids didn't have much over there. So the scene, the scene where I handed out the Snickers to the kids, that's another scene that the guy Bradley, uh, who was on the 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 fifty caliber machine gun, that's what he did with the kids. And he told me he oh, said, really cool. "Please please put this in the film. I, I feel like this, you know, because the kids. And that's why we did the film the way it was like Christmas." And, and and you know because because I feel like all women are children uh most of them are yep. just casualty of wars and you guys got to understand I'm old enough to where you know when the Vietnam War was over with I was one of those little kids mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean Probably. so I understand how how that feel and I think that that's why we made a film uh like this you know because yeah. a lot of my buddies in in hollywood they wanted to change everything they want to change all the actors oh, they want to make see the thing is they don't want the reality they want it to be like more cinematic and you can't do that with like actual war stories or you need to keep everything real you know what i mean it adds more to it now you mentioned charles rooney charles rooney who was played chuck he's an actual veteran and a good friend of yours right yeah he's a vietnam war vet he the stories everything he told you in to me in the story to keep us alive that's all what happened to him in vietnam wow that you know he's he's six three and he's one of those tunnel rats with the 1911 gun in Vietnam, bro. Wow. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah that's, cr- that's crazy. He, 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 his story was so compelling to me, man, that it was just like, okay, how do I want to, I want to leave, I want to leave him to leave something in a legacy to his grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. And it took a whole army with everybody coming together to be able to make it to where they could see his story. And even a lot of his friends like, wow, man, we didn't know you feel that way. And a lot of the friends, the colleagues of the veterans that are in the therapy session, they were like, man, I didn't know you were thinking about those kind of shit at night. So I think that it gave the, the audience a different view of what it's like. Yeah. Even though sometimes some of them, they look like they're okay on the outside. 
Yeah. And on the inside, it's like, yo, whoa, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, the, well, the thing is, like, if you do you actually hang, hang out with, like, uh, veterans during, like, the 4th of July, it's, some of them can't handle it because the just explosions. You have to, people don't realize that that really affected a lot of people. And you, you dealt with that with the banging on the window at the diner. Oh, and, and that's why I put those kind of things like that yeah. because I feel that, you know, a lot of time they just don't know and, and things can happen with even with firecracker and things like that. And, and you know, we, we, we did that in that sense where they wanted to glorify things, right? And yeah. for me, yeah. being around all those guys, I, I felt and I saw and my intuition was saying, you know, when I walk away from this, I walk away from it. Yes, what a heartfelt thing with strong emotion, but I walk away. They don't. The moment the film is over, they go right back into facing what they face and when yeah. they go back mm-hmm. home. Yeah. You know? And that's why we made the film the way the way we did it, man. You know, collectively. Yeah. Quite a few of those things, right? It, my buddy Chuck would go in and say, like, like when when the 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 thing that got me chill was we were filming the first scene. The opening scene was very heavy. I wanted the film to win. When people saw the first scene, they're going to be like, yo, what am I signing up for? Because I feel like yeah. you know, there's no easing, easing into it, right? I wanted to make sure, like, oh, you got to yeah. understand, this is a very strong subject matter, and you're going to go through this. But, you know, when we did the reshoot to where I wanted to get different coverage of Chuck, Chuck was the one who told me, hey, brother, you know, at the end, can I just tell you when you asked me, was it easy to come back? And I can just tell you, no, it was never easy, but we are Marines. And I cut to the title. That was him. That was that it. Was, that is cool. You know, what I'm a lot of those things, the guys, the guys pitch in, man, like at the end, right? When he says, you know, um, you know, Sergeant, you know, Daniel Hernandez, simplify Marine. That's him, dude. That's it. He's like, hey, brother, Sam, can, can I do this? I say, bro, so- do your thing. I just so, stuff and I let the veterans do what they do. Yeah. So, well, and, and the other thing is with Vietnam too. A lot of these guys were treated really rough when they came back too. So that didn't help matters either, because people were like, "Oh, you're it's your fault that you innocent kids got killed." But hey, these a lot of those guys got drafted, so they didn't have a choice. But when they well, came they, home, people spit they, on them and treated them like crap. Get, they didn't get like any welcome at home, and that's why um, the other veteran with the Vietnam War, veteran Vietnam yeah. War, when he says, you know, welcome back, brothers, he was very emotional because I feel that that's what happened with these guys. And you, the other guy, Irwin, the guy with the missing hand, yep. that guy actually was the guy who saved Chuck. That guy was the, actually the guy who told Chuck to go seek help. Oh, man. Wow. You know, when Chuck, called, Chuck told me, hey, man, you know, you got some spot for the Vietnam War vets, can you cast them? I said, Chuck, I don't know Vietnam War vets. You do. What mm-hmm. do you do? So he said, look, I got two friends. Here's the guy that saved me. Let's put him in the film. And so collectively, man, I, I just kind of feel really blessed that I kind of sat back and just be man enough, be big enough, and have enough bold mm-hmm. making decisions where, yes, let the veterans do what they do. Wow. Yeah. And then we edit the rest of it. You, know you edited it in a great way. But I want to talk yeah, about it. how you were able to portray the injury sustained by Daniel Hernandez, uh, who was severely injured at war, lost the ability to walk, was wheelchair bound. And Sam, you did a tremendous job portraying um, Daniel in the wheelchair and his eventual, you know, recovery, which I guess we shouldn't go too much into because that might be going to spoiler territory. But 
Uh, tell us about how did you study anything in particular to 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 learn how to convincingly uh, portray um, a handicapped person or a, ha- a person that uh, was paralyzed from the waist down? Yeah, I was. I, I studied quite a bit. Matter of fact, now, you know, ever since we spoke last, I study six to eight hours a day on YouTube, how to make films, how to light, how to cinematography. So oh, I did wow. Research when it came to the physicality of it, when yeah. it came to the emotional state of mind, I'll tell you guys the truth is that you can't you can't get into a space of a veteran if you ain't going through your own shit. You're just going to be pretending. And at the time, and every day from this, from these days forth, from the last five, six years, I was able to get into that headspace because I was, go, I was going through things about my mother laying on that deathbed. Oh, so, so some of the conversation that you heard with me and Chuck in that church, me and Chuck stopped being friends for those years because he was praying for my mom and it never worked. And, and, mm. and, and, and my mom passed away in 2019. And you know, those depressions, those uh, very dark moments of my life since 2016, I brought that into that that headspace because I felt that, you know, you can't just pretend to be depressed. You can't pretend yeah. to be suicidal. you got to really either go really deep and dark or you don't go at all. And because I already had these feelings and these darkness that was already bestowed over me already, and that really, I went in, you know, realistically, you know, people, people get upset at people who do method acting. Is that method acting? Everybody have a method. It doesn't matter what method. Yeah. I don't have to be an asshole to you just because I'm a method actor. I think some people are method <laughs> actors. They just want to make them be an asshole to you. Right. But, you know, you guys have talked to me like if I was a regular Joe Blow, I don't care because when I talk to you guys, it's just regular dude just talking shit. Well, 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 that's how I feel too. I mean, like, but sometimes you get on sets and you have these guys who are just prima donnas and you just just zone them out because they just, well, yeah, just well, talk. I, I get it because a lot of times here's here's the thing that I learned because I kind of you know straddle both sides of the fence. Right. Some normal people, when you are too nice to them, they feel like you're just regular. And so they take advantage of you. And they say, oh, psh, you know, yeah. this is regular. So they walk over you. So then, therefore, some actors, when they become a big hit, they, they turn around, they act, behave a certain way. But what they forget is you can act that way. You can act ugly towards yeah. the people that was ugly to you. But you don't have to be ugly to the new people that you've met because they haven't right. done you anything wrong, you know? But I understand that. And method acting is like, I saw like Brian Cox knocking that guy for, 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 for you know, uh, method acting. But I'm like, yo, you're Brian Cox. You've been doing this for four decades. Yeah. You, you, don't need, you don't need that anymore. You don't need, you, 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 you just wake up and you're Brian Cox. Those are the kids. Yeah, you're right. Older than you, man. They're 20 years younger than you. You know, like he's still learning. You know, Brian Cox is, you know, the man. I mean, he's, you know, one of the pioneers that we love. So I feel like unless you act really out of character, whatever whatever method that you use to to be uh, become a character, that's your own choice of creativity. That's and that to me, each one of us bring a certain element to anything that we play because of our yeah. life experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, and but yeah. that's you know when you ask me about that, the physicality is something I learned. But the mental and emotional state of mind was something that I was going through. And I will always go through that every single day, man, no matter what. Mm. And I have that guilt, 
you know, and that guilt never go away. And that's yeah. what I use for the film. And that, oh, that's good. Yeah. And, 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 and that, you know, when I was writing the script, I was listening to Jocko Willink every single day for four to five hours at a time. And I chased him for a year and his wife and him oh, finally gave us the okay to use Jocko Willink's voice, dude. You know how happy I was? Wow. I was like, yo, it's fucking Jocko, man. Like, you know, <laughs> if you listen to his voice, it's like, oh shit. Like you would go to war, you would die with this guy, like no matter what. And so I, I, I thought that was so important because I was listening to him and he really helped me to get in a good headspace to to make sure I'm okay as well, man. Because mm. I listened to him not just for the yeah. film, but just for life. And, and, and that's that's what I did. So when you ask about that, it's just because I was going through a lot of deep and dark shit, man. I mean, I still maintain and manage it now, but it was because of that. So when you saw me with the guns, you know, on, on, uh, by my temple and you see the tears, it wasn't fake. It, 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 you guys would know if I was Legit. fake. Legit. Yeah. You know? That's that's the you know the the big the, they say the camera is the biggest lie detector you know you if if it, if the moment's not real the camera's gonna see it because it's it's right here and yeah. and so you have to you have to make those true moments and and you know and you know you had your stuff that you had to pull on and then you 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 kind of stacked the deck you had all these people who had the actual real moments to pull on so so you kind of had this. Uh, I mean, they just had all this wealth of of real moments that they that they could bring bring that truth to your movie. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I have to, so many people to be thankful. Everybody, including you guys, who's helping us promote. Yeah. That's why when I post, it's like I say, it takes a, a battalion, it takes an army. Because once again, we did this with no studio help. We this with no, you know, we didn't have a hundred crew mm -hmm. sitting around, right? So when I you see, know, I think that's I think think you get more uh, a better film by doing it that way because then you can have be more involved and you could get a better performance. Less out of cooks everybody. in the kitchen. Um, yes, mm -hmm. but I, I'm gonna tell you, bro. I lost 25 pounds. I never was able to gain it back. <laughs> it was it was it was lovely, but it was it will never be something that I'll do again. Right now, we're, we're, we're making the the film for my wife, the action thriller, because. When we decided to do 22, we pushed her career back three years. Oh, uh, I have four feature film script written for her, but we oh, couldn't man. go outside the film, so we did 22. But, but you know what? You know here's 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 what what I did for the last 10 and 12 years. A lot of people. You know, I used to produce music, so I was already. You know, I used to drive okay. in the 80s. So I used to sing too. I mean, I'm I'm from that. That, that type of business too. Right. And so now it's like for the last 10 years, what I did was I purchased a lot of film equipment and lighting equipment. And if you, if you know how to build stuff, you know how to do stuff, brother, all you need is a little decent little camera and you get together with your friends and you can shoot stuff. Yeah. Right. So here's the thing. Most of the friends in the movie, Chuck, you know, Mary, um, is is a lady that I I directed a TV series for Pure Flix, and I cast my friends, all the guys that Marines, they're my buddies. So I had this all this wealth of actors that were you know that were available so we could yeah. do them. And and so when we got to Las Vegas, the reason why you you guys saw that was the the film crew, the camera crew was four people. We lucky we got help because logistically we can't touch the guns unless somebody else watch it. So the right. battle for Las Vegas people, they were all veterans. 
Everybody oh, at, at Nashville, Las Vegas was veterans, and they were laughing at Bradley because we made Bradley play a Marine, but he's really in the Army. So he was getting his balls busted <laughs> the whole time. Oh, you're Marine, boy. Oh, yeah, and the Marine, Marine and Army don't get along. Same with Navy. It could be worse. It could be Navy. They hate Navy even worse. But the funny thing is my buddy who's, who's like, wheeling me in to get my medical, yeah. He's actually he's actually in the Navy. He's he's David Fallen and he did a lot of oh. our consulting. David and also my buddy Monty. Monty uh, is actually he teaches in in um, Reno, Nevada, and also in San Francisco. He's the original cool. guys from the from the from the Marine from the Mossa. Oh so man! We, yeah, we had some really really deep guys in there, and all those guys were well, you know, loving man. And that's how we're able to pull this off because, like, we started pitching the, the film to some studios mm-hmm. now to get funding for future films. And they were very shocked. They said, how can you do this? I said, well, you know, when, you, when your back is against the wall, you kind of come out swinging. Yeah, and right. We did everything we could. And, you know, we didn't have, like, $10,000 to send the whole film. Yeah. To a well, see, see, I'm <laughs> in the same boat. Like, I mean, when my show got canceled, everybody wants to still do something. And it's like... A lot of them were, were just normal background people, and they just never did anything before. And I'm trying to get it back together, but it's like just not yeah. easy. Well, but. you know what it is, man. It it is never easy. So what it is is that I guess you got to have a handful of people around you that really, really strive. For yeah, they're they're loyal and they're and we they're they're dedicated to it and they're willing to work and yeah, given what they can. You know, it's, it's hard because I think like a lot of a lot of. The thing about us when we pursue dreams is that a lot of times life do get in the way and life tests you to see yeah. what you want. Yeah, right. And and I feel that um I just gave myself um like a like a no-win situation. Like I, I do or die in the sense that I, I became so obsessed with this because I know I don't ever want to go back to construction because that's what I did back there. You go. Well, I did that too. I did bricklaying when I when I was like 14 years old, and then but I turned around when I was 18. I wish I wish I had a person. I wish I had a person who could build shit for me. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I could, but I'm too far away. So yeah, I want to ask a question, Paul. If that's okay. Um, Yeah. Um. How did you get the film on Tubi? Because this is a great platform. It's a free platform for. For folks, which I think is great, and you can see the 22 for Unforgotten Soldier on Tubi TV. So here's the new deal that a lot of a lot of um, people may not know. We did a year and a half research, and through every sales agent we talked to, even Lionsgate, Grindstone, Vertical Entertainment, they're like, "Oh, we see you guys have talent in front of the camera, behind the camera, but we're not into the war movie right now. Why don't you make an action film and come back to us?" So that's why we own an action film because they didn't want the war film. But we realized that the film was going to be hijacked and we'll never see anything of it. So way back in the days when I used to do music, we literally would have to take the CD and the cassette to go do consignment at um, Virgin Records, Tower Records, single-handedly. So now, I don't know how however many years ago until now when iTunes came out, and when Spotify came out, an, an artist can sell their songs on there, right? Yeah. So then you didn't have to do consignment. You could become a big star. You don't really need a record label. Because the problem is you need the distribution channel, which is the big, right. big money yeah. machine. So four years ago, no, now it's five years ago, there's a company called Film Hub, 
Okay. Dimlop came out and they are the middleman. So what we did was we pitched to them this this uh, the the title and it took two months to 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 clear the the quality control and you saw the quality we have and it still yeah. took two months right oh, man. and then now we first it went on Amazon eventually we're trying to get them to do Amazon as part of the subscription package and not the TBOD. Uh, and so, mm -hmm. and then, you know, what happened was even at the time, right, we made the film, we pitched to everybody and it was on Amazon. So it was just like, okay, well, what's next? And so when, when we cleared QC, Amazon picked it up the next day. And then I'm on LinkedIn trying to network. You don't understand how many CEOs, content acquisition people, I email, text, comment, you name it. So happened, I came across the CEO of Tubi. Nice. And we connected and I say, look, man, we have a project that we need your help. We've done the creative part. We need a platform to showcase to, to the US what these soldiers and what these veterans go through. Because you know, at the time, uh, three of those the veterans, actually, they weren't even veterans yet. They were still active. Oh, wow, oh, man. They were still active. So, so, and then I explained to them, and then he sent me to their partnership, you know, uh, channel. And that's how the film, two days later, the film got picked up by Tubi. And I, wow. I expressed it to, to the CEO and their partnership program look, we can make your content for a fraction of the price. Give us an opportunity to make some content for you as Tubi originals. So, these are the pictures, because here's the thing. Most of those people, it would take them seven to fifteen million dollars to make a war film like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And we made it for one hundredth <laughs> of that. One okay, hundredth. Wow. We made yeah. it. We made it where they don't even get first money in to just start production, and we made it for lower than that. Wow. And then, like I said, I didn't have you know ten thousand dollars to send the movie to the trailer house. So I, yeah. I, did, I did reverse engineering. So I made the trailer. Yes. I had to make the trailer. Well, that's my way to do it. Yeah, yes. and, 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 and then, you know, at some point, some people was like, hey, you know, um, you know, the trailer is really dark, dude, because you look like you're gonna commit suicide at the end. I said, that's the point. I want you to look <laughs> at the trailer and really see the film to see if I'm gonna pull the trigger. Yes. I yeah. wanted to hook you into where it's like, you know, even my wife was like, oh, you know, why, why did you cut it off? Uh, you know, before we realized, I said, I want you guys to understand and go, wait, I want to see if he does it. And 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 that's all done because yes. we didn't have the budget. We went and like, like you know, the one sheet the, for press tour right now that you guys are going to see, we didn't have another two, three, four thousand dollars people to write it. So I wrote it. You know, yeah. my wife, she handles every single operation uh, uh you know from day one man before i even you know action so collectively as as a group um you know we did this but by no mean by the end of this year we're going to go get budgets and there are going to be more people that come involved that can take some of that pressure off us because it was it was it's it, it has been extremely hard the last two and a half years guys don't get me wrong we love what we do but man i tell you we would love some help, but we had some people more around here that we. Uh, I, I think once people see it, I mean, I think it'll pay off in the long run. So. It was fantastic, and we know you got an early day on set, Sam. So we didn't want to 
uh, hold you up too too much longer, but please check it out on 2BTV.com. 22, The Unforgotten Soldier. Uh, Sam, uh, we loved having you to talk about Venom of Mile 22 a couple years ago and Alita Battle Angel. Now we're talking about this great film where you're actually did the you, main creator, which is great. Did you did you guys watch Reminiscence? We didn't talk. You weren't on. You weren't on Below the Belt show to talk reminiscence. No, because my right. was like all over the place, is trying to get shit done. <laughs> That's but no, right. I, I got to spend. I got to spend about off and on three and a half months with Hugh Jackman, dude. That was so great, dude. Oh, so great. What a role. Yeah, you know, I love his work. You know, like Sandy Way Newton, uh, uh, Rebecca Ferguson from from the Mission Impossible. Yes. I mean, you name it, man. Yep. It was. It was amazing, man. Cliff but I, Curtis, I, I, Daniel yeah, Wu. I learned a lot from yeah. all of them. You know, I learned a lot from all of them to do what we do. And like I said, we'll we eventually eventually when when we break out to where we don't just work here in the south, man. We'd love to link up with you guys, you know, because I'm I'm a firm believer I'm available to audition. <laughs> so I'm, a firm believe, I'm a firm believer of dealing with and having my dealing and working with people that that from the ground up, you know, the the the, the smaller guys. I don't. I don't. You know, well, I, I think eventually Hollywood's going to be dead, and then we're going to need other areas to film. You know what I mean? Because just some of the stuff they're doing in Hollywood right now. Because I think they're turning a lot of people off, and we need new independent films, and we need new locations to start stuff up. Well, you know what we do is like this, right? We we we, we need their big machine in a certain sense, but then what we do, we turn around, we hire our own people, and we have yeah, and that's a unit. You know, that that way, that way. You can you can reach back and grab your buddies and grab your yeah. associates that you like to work with and go from there. So it's like I I don't necessarily just all of a sudden just like take off and be like okay well you know yeah. guys I'm in, I'm in L.A. now no I want to work with guys that I start out with I want to work with guys that hey oh, that's, that's the best way to do it because yeah you you guys were the first one to interview me and you know for Thank me you so I, much Sam yeah, this is great I, I like having dealings and working with guys. That sometimes don't always get a chance in the Hollywood yeah. world, and that's why you look yeah, at up, right up around here. I mean, there's a lot of hungry actors that just don't get that where chance. You, I mean, where are, you, where are you guys? Um, I'm I'm in, I'm near Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I'm in Hanover, Pennsylvania, kind of where Out's Potato Chips is from, and Snyder's. Um, and uh, the the rest of everybody else should be in the DMV, right? I mean, DC, Maryland, Maryland Virginia area. Yeah. yeah, the the, the mm-hmm. Maryland, DC, Baltimore, uh, that that okay, window. Okay. Mid Atlantic. Uh, where are you? I'm also in the Middle Atlantic region, but I get into New York a lot. So. Oh yeah. yeah? No, because mm-hmm. you know I used to I used to drive from here to uh, to New York, so I cross some of you guys state. When they call me, oh, okay. I have to drive to New York, and I go through all those state up to Baltimore, all the way. Reach up to out New to me, man. Let's grab let's grab a drink, man. Let's grab lunch. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's the thing, man. Like eventually, what I what I'm trying to do is I'm 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 pitching myself to these studios to do guest directing on TV series. That way I can work with my buddies all over the United States. No That's cool. What you are. Um, because I have a couple of friends, they do that. They'll do five episodes in one season, another one, and they do, do it. You know, the, the, there, there's a big film market starting in the Ohio-Pittsburgh uh, area, too. You might want to check that out. And they, they use a lot of guest directors on that. So I don't know if you're into – I mean, I know yeah. Paramount's big and starting to do a lot out that way. So I've worked on a couple of shows out there with them. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing is eventually is I want to go to you know, work anywhere and everywhere. That way I can connect everyone that I've – Yeah. Uh, that, that, that I've been in contact with on this road. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, once again, it's just because I feel like, you know, I, I feel the the fight and and 
for the little guys, the little guys that are always get. Yeah, back. and you have to give back because, as I said, there's a lot of people who just don't get the opportunities. I mean, there's great actors out there, and it's like I feel bad because they go out for these parts, and it's like they don't have the names to get the parts. Well, you know, and and that's one of the another reason why you know I explained to my wife, who's really my boss, you know, she's my producer, but like a lot of times you can be you can have skills but sometimes they don't always let you in to play the game so you got to be like your robert Rodriguez. Yep. you got to create your own game and that's what All i right. learned and i learned from these guys that hey if you want something you got to go out and create it you know i had i had quite a few conversations with the man james cameron when i was on the lethal battle angels oh, but yes. well, he, he was kind of the same thing too because he worked in b movies and then worked his way up i mean that's you know, he's, I mean, he's I would tell you go get a camera and shoot something and call yourself a director. So, like, I have a lot of yeah. these guys that that I that I look up to and I see some of their formulas and what they preach, and so I follow that and, and you know do what you know what we can do. But because we're one stop shop, yeah. that's how we're able to do this. You know, at the end of the day, is that you know we I grab my friends, I grab my friends who are doing stunts. And we do stuff now. Yeah. I'm getting into color grading. I'm getting into other stuff. So just just a one-stop shop to where the independent world is gonna be here to stay because because of people like Film Hub, because of people like independent. Yeah, that and also I think that everything is getting too overpriced. I mean, because when you start to spend like I mean, granted, Avatar made money, but they had to make so much money just to make a profit. You know what I mean? If if you had like a film that was a hundred thousand dollars and you could pull in a million dollars, that's I think that was I, more. Of well, a, I think it's cool, more of a, Sam, that you worked with James Cameron and you're also producing your own projects. You you know the the difference. <laughs> I, I I don't want his shoes, man. I don't. <laughs> want to make it. I, listen, I get it. I think those guys have big pressures and big numbers. Yep. And what they tell you now in the business is there's no more middle budget film. If you're making a movie that's 25 million to 40 and 50 million dollars you're looking to lose because number one, there's no more theaters. You're not gonna get that money back. Anyone would tell you, if you make a movie that's $7 million or less, you'll have a chance to make that back for the studio. Unless you do a $100 million, you know right. what I'm saying, a Marvel movie or DC movie. Mm -hmm. Other than that, look, I went on the Lita. The budget was 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 170. They probably put like another 70 in for promotions. Like marketing, yeah. They made 400 million. And they ain't made a they, they haven't made a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. They made money, right? And so, and that's the thing is that even the new the new wave now, you know, they they look at that. So because of the content that's needed for all these streaming platforms fighting for content, this is the time now where you can grab three or four of your buddies, so go make a horror film. Because at the end of this year, we're making a horror film. <laughs> that's and what Dan, Dan, Dan did an amazing horror film you could check out, The Comedy of Horrors Volume One. But that's the thing, man. Like to me, it's not, you know, yeah. You send me the link, guys, because like I love to yes. see people that phenomenal film that Dan did. Yeah, you got to check it out, Sam. Where'd you shoot it on? Um, I think most we had a red. Um, nice. We had a red for the first one, the Night Watchman, and we had a red for parts of the. Um, so the, the the comedy of horrors is an anthology. So a couple of them had the same camera, and then there was one sh one segment shot in in Atlanta. I, I don't know what they used down there. Okay, nice man. No, that's great man. Because um, we we shot we shot twenty two. Um, a lot of the dialogue scene was with the Reds, but all the war stuff and everything else, all the boxing stuff was was shot actually with a Z cam. Okay. You know, two Z cams, and yeah. we 
Okay. We actually will, will be able to color grade it. Uh, but now, because I, I own six Blackmagic cameras, I'm a poor man filmmaker. So I don't have any reds. And so it's, it's just all my Blackmagic cameras that, that I'm using now uh, for the film. But yeah, man, like I, I really congratulate you and, give, you know, hats off to you. Because I feel like, you know, guys like us are going to keep our friends and our colleagues working. And yes. if there's anything right. that I can do to help you guys, bro, you know, you you know, you know, let me know, man. You We're know? happy to audition, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I can't take credit because it wasn't. It wasn't my project. It was Ken Arnold's project and Dan DeLuca's project, and I'm the one that they brought along for the ride. So I, I was just there to to be part of the crew and 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 act and and just, you know, contribute to the to the, to the soup, you know. Well, I think that's fine, brother. However, however you contribute it, you contribute it. I, I don't find anyone too small or too big for any right. part in any project, at all, because it takes everything, and that's why I don't have a first AD. I don't have a second AD on my set. I make my own schedule. I get my own location. I oh, make that's, that's right. I do it because you know what? One thing I can't fucking stand is the first AD who yells at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're going to hear this about me. If any AD ever yell at one of my crew person, that AD will get fired. There you go. Oh, because, you know, they unhappy for whatever reason. Dude, I was on mile 22 and the dude was like, where the fuck is Modena? I literally was like, I'm right here, dude. Like, I love this. I don't go anywhere. You don't have to yell. Yeah, chill I, out, right? <laughs> I find that most AD, they're so upset with life. Like, they always, I don't like You know, some directors are like that, too, because I work with Peter Weller. He made people cry because oh, he just would be yelling at people nonstop. Peter that? Weller, the guy, he was great with Can I see this? You guys bleep it out, okay? Bye. Right. <laughs> because I work with him too, and I can concur with you. Oh, really? You work yeah. pretty well. Too. I he, he's him. intense. I, man, let me tell you something, bro. He just really is awful. He don't know how to direct. I was yeah. on Game of Silence with him, right? That was on Outsiders with him. So it's like a, he just would make people cry. I was like, man, you can't be doing that. He, he he's just mad because he never made a career after RoboCop. So he, and he takes that out on everybody. Wow. You know, he walks in, he, dude, the, yeah. dad, the studio. You see, most people were happy to see him at first. So then, then, he, then he started acting that way. They were That's all true like upset. Show. Yeah. Well, yeah. Listen to me. I couldn't stand him when I saw him from the first. I did two episodes. I was just like, yo, this dude is on some other shit. Because here's the thing. The studio felt bad for him. So they feed him jobs. Yeah. They yeah. let him direct you know, different TV uh -huh. stuff, Right? But at the end of the day, he's not some prolific director. Let's be real. Okay. No. You know, he, he, he's he's just another guy that get the job done. But it wasn't like, listen, he came in and he started yelling. He started out. Yeah, he he didn't stop. He he just went off. And I just said that one girl on set was gonna cry. I was like, dude, you can't be doing that. It's like you, you cannot you cannot do that to people. I like you know I you know mm -hmm. I, you don't talk to people that way. He went off on set, dude. Like literally, like you know, go off on set, like. Yeah. You know, look, if you you if you gonna listen to me, you want a fucking you want a motherfucking eight hour day or twelve hour day, you gonna have to listen to me. I asked for my mom to fifteen minutes ago, and I don't. I'm just sitting there like I'm saying, yo, listen, bro, yeah. you 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 might be RoboCop 1984, yeah. you, you ain't no cop right now, bro. You know, chill out. And I find that yeah. you don't have to strut your power that way to show that you know what you're doing. Yeah. 
I mean, like if somebody's like, I mean, if you're filming something, you just take somebody aside and say, hey, could you do it a different way? And and they're more responsive to that than just like flat, flat out yelling at them. He's just insecure, man. He didn't. Okay. He, he didn't have well, we, we do. Uh, <laughs> we do have to wrap up tonight's show. Uh, so listen, we, we, I would tell that to him. I would say that to him in his face. <laughs> it's OK, guys. Sam, <laughs> we take, thank you I'll so much, my man. Sam, we appreciate it. As we're sadly running out of time. Um, check out 22, The Unforgotten Soldier on Tubi TV. Sam, one more promo for old time's sake. Let us know who you are. Plug for uh, 22 and let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. Hey, I'm Sam Medina. Thank you for having me. Below the Belt Show. Thank you so much, guys, for the support always. You can watch 22, The Unforgotten Soldier right now on Tubi. Or if you want an HD or you want your own copy, you can go to Amazon Prime Video and order that from there. And give the shout out to these guys who's always been in my corner below the belt show, who's always helped me supporting everything that I do, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Sam, thanks so much, man. Have a great night. Best of luck on your project tomorrow. Thank you, man. See you guys soon. Peace. And, of course, we also have to say goodbye to Dan Franco. Dan Franco, thank you so much for – Joining us here on Below the Belt Show, myself and the controversial Darth Paul Walsh will close out the show. Uh, <laughs> hey, I just tell it how it is, and that's what you need to do in this video. Oh, God, Lord. Tell it how it is in your part of the... I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, man. I like when you shoot it straight, man. It's okay. <laughs> however you want to do it, brother, I'm I'm all for it, man. I mean, no matter, however you are, I take you as you are. Yep. Willie, Al, Dan, you. I mean... I, <laughs> You, you you should be able to be like that with everybody that you are. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? Right, well, we Paul, need another. Let's, uh, let's, okay. let's, let's, let's I was going to say we need another Mel Brooks movie, and <laughs> we just don't have it because people know, like comedy now. All right. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good night, and uh, be safe, and I'll see you guys soon. And best of luck for everything. You guys know how to get in touch with me. If you ever need anything, I can be of help. Um, I'll cool. be there to help you guys. Okay? Awesome. Thank you. Peace out. Thank you, Sam. The amazing Sam Medina, man. Always a great interview here on Below the Belt Show. And, of course, we're going to say goodbye to Dan Franco, the Nerf Herder. (laughs) Dan, thanks so so much for uh, staying up late with us. Yeah. We know we go a little past your bedtime, but we appreciate it. And we're sorry for keeping you up. Thanks for having (laughs) me again, man. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a good night. Good night. Well, now it's down to me and Darth Paul Wallace. Okay. I'm trying not to be know. as controversial. Who else can we piss off tonight, Paul? <laughs> yeah, the one thing I have to say, that was my my bad. I mean, I, I admit that. I mean, I'm not trying to piss anybody off. I'm just saying how it is. But I, uh-huh. I do apologize about the manic fact. Yeah, I think uh, okay. Well, well, let, having a brain fart. Now we're going to wrap up everything. And, of course, hopefully a, a desirable hour as we close out uh, everything. Okay, then you want to mention Backlash? Or do you want to? Um, well, well, let's let's. Uh, Let's I know it's late, but yeah, let's just go wrap up a television really quick, and we'll talk about some things okay. real quick. All right, so where we left off was Netflix. Um, well, you know they have the Master of the Universe Revolution uh, animated series on Netflix. They say Apparently, season two is going to be better, so I'll give it a shot. I didn't yeah. like season one, but I'll give I, season two a shot. I'm a fan of Kevin Smith and what he does. Melissa Benoist, who was the beautiful Supergirl on CW, will be um, voicing the heroine Tila. Uh, in the upcoming uh, season two, and well, her husband. Did they recast it? I thought she her, was. Her, yeah, her husband Chris Wood uh, is He Man, and um, 
Yeah, she jumped on the the, the chance to play uh, Tila, and the original um, voice of Tila, I guess, uh, bowed out. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure who was the original voice of Tila. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, she had bailed out, and and then uh, Melissa Benoit joined the cast of that. I mean, I hope it's like a reboot because I mean, as I said, he just didn't he didn't know the source source material, and I think that was the main major issue. Yeah. And I, some of it, and he was kind of getting a little woke with it, and I think they made him correct it near the end. So hopefully, he just stays the course and makes the fans happy on the second there you go. season. That's and then maybe we'll get a third season out of it. But, <laughs> but he needs um, to. Uh, one of my favorites is Stranger Things. Uh, season five will start production in June. And Dave Harbour, who's Hopper, uh, said that um, he will uh, be back to the lovable uh, Hopper that you all knew, not not the very thin, emaciated Hopper that we saw okay. in the Russian prison. So we'll see our favorite small town sheriff back to his season three form, supposedly. So he's going to get in shape by eating a lot, right? <laughs> right. He'll get back to what we remember. <laughs> he's not going to have Hellboy yet. Exactly. Don't worry about that. Um, let's see. On, over on Amazon, Citadel. This is uh, the, the new spy thriller. Released its official trailer. And this is going to be produced by the Russo Brothers. Stars you know, Richard- I work with them. Have you, ever, have you ever worked with them? They're really good. I, have I mean, they're like pleasure man because um, i was working with him on that movie cherry i was telling you about and they're like so i don't know they just know exactly what they want they do quick takes they they just are on it yeah. i just have nothing but good things to say about them. right but this one's with richard madden you might know him as rob stark from game of thrones okay he was also in the eternals and priyanka yeah. chopra jones who is the wife of uh Nick Jonas, uh, sorry, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, the wife of okay. uh, Nick Jonas. Trail looks pretty good. Um, there's also a, um, a docu-style comedy series called Jury Duty with James Marsden. And this is an interesting Truman show type of show where it's majority actors and one non-actor. And basically it's it just like a reality I, show. A little bit of reality show, but everyone else is an actor. So it's uh, um, you're going through a courtroom, um, and you're. But what like what would somebody be like? Hey, uh, James Marsden was like Cyclops, and they'd be like, "Why is Cyclops in my court courtroom?" That's a thing. A lot of people don't recognize James Marsden because he's always playing <laughs> someone with his face covered. But you're right. I guess the, the it was important that the 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 reality star amongst all the actors in the jury had to not be familiar with his work i think that okay. they went through that process i guess okay. maybe the question like, have you ever do seen you X-Men? recognize this guy and they're like that's the guy from x-men and right and then they're they, like they no i don't know you see it yeah but i think it's a cool concept because you know mm-hmm. it's all fake cases it's all you know you know and then the, you know it's just very very like, over the top basically <laughs> um let's see over on hulu um they're not moving forward with the devil in the white city which is uh martin scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio's adaptation um for whatever reason yeah they're not going forward with it yet so that's, that's a good. little bit of a disappointment but hulu did drop a trailer for katherine hahn's new uh thriller it's called tiny beautiful things um looks like it's a pretty good uh film or series um what's definitely worth checking out um well what's it about um well it's about a, a family dynamic um with her and her daughter and it actually uh, goes back in time to when Catherine Hahn's character 
was her age. So it's kind of like a comparison. Yeah, okay. So you kind of go back and forth in time. So that should be interesting. And over on Apple, we have uh, the trailer for Ghosted that a lot of our friends in the D.C. area got to work on. Uh, I didn't get to work on it, but it's Chris Evans and Anna Armas. Yes, yeah, I couldn't because, I mean, they don't like people who are not unvaccinated. Like, <laughs> we know, Paul, we know. Um, yeah, but, but, um, but the other thing is, as I said, like a third of the SAG in Philadelphia has an either. I so it's know, like they, they need to fix that. I know, but yes, uh, it starts out as a uh, you know a rom com, and then it becomes uh, like a spy thriller at the end because you know Chris Evans is ghosted by Anna de Armas, and eventually he tries to find her and travel to find her, and then finds out that she's a secret agent. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. And then um, she finds out he's Captain America. Right. And then also on Apple is Echo Valley, where Julianne Moore and Sydney Sweeney play mother-daughter. And this is going to be from the Mayor of Easttown creator, Brad Inglesby. So if it's from the creator, Mayor of Easttown, you know it's going to be good. Not to be confused with your show, Mayor of Kingstown. That's a different show. Although I heard Mayor of Easttown's coming back, too. So, I mean, yeah. we might be able to them both next year. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um and because we originally thought that Mayor of Easttown was going to be a limited series, but if she can get a yeah. new case. Well, well, I think it was, and I think it was. Isn't HBO doing it or is somebody else doing it? Um, yeah, her show was, was it, a, what, what network was it? Was it was HBO. Was it HBO, yeah. HBO doesn't care about vaccinations, so. <laughs> Would you stop about the vaccinations? Uh, season two, Schmigadoon. I mean, maybe, uh, no, maybe it was Showtown. No, I think it was HBO. Yeah. So um, season two of Schmigadoon, I haven't seen it yet, but it's Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong. They just dropped a, a trailer. I watched it. I wasn't familiar with the show, but it's very, very weird. Wasn't that the one where they're like stuck in a musical or something? Exactly. They're stuck in a musical. Yep. And uh, this picker trailer uh, goes to a place called Schmicago, which is, uh, <laughs> I guess, a play on Chicago. <laughs> they need to go to Baltimore or I, 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 that, that sucked. Yeah. As you know, Cecily Strong uh, left Saturday Night Live, and uh, yeah. this past Saturday they had a non-actor host and Travis Kelsey of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And I gotta admit, for a non-actor, for an athlete, he did a yeah. decent job hosting us. Yeah, he would, who I think would be good though. I think Gronk would be really good hosting he, Saturday Night Live. He would be he just, good. He, yeah, but you know, it's, it's surprising. He, he, he just has that shtick though. He's always the dumb jock. Well, that's guy. why he was good with WWE for that short period of time. But maybe he eventually yeah. he come back. But uh, I enjoyed Travis Kelsey's uh, hosting of Saturday Night Live. I gotta admit that he did a pretty good job. Um, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, this is what I'm excited about. I know Chachi would be very excited about, but will we be excited about it? Because we, we used to love the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. And of course, yes, as Paul says, they did go woke um, and they canceled the. So there's going to be 400 pound, pound women and guys for the Victoria's Secret catalog. Am I right? So that's wrong? the thing. Are, are they going to go that route? Because now in Victoria's Secret, they're showcasing models of all sizes, they're doing transgender models. I don't know. This is not going to be the Victoria's Secret fashion show when it comes back that we remember. I don't think I'm going to watch it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm curious of what they're going to do. Are they going to try to appease everybody? You know, maybe that, that would be a good call, but it wait, is coming wait. back. How about this? How about half? Like, if they want to see, like, transsexual, like, Victoria's Secret models, have that on a separate channel. Have one for, like, the 
heavier ones on another channel and then have one for <laughs> like other models on another channel and then everybody's happy <laughs> i mean does that work i mean well, it just seems like that, that way makes... you make everybody happy you won't offend anybody and <laughs> every, actually... it makes everybody's day for once i might actually agree with you <laughs> i know you and i tend to disagree a lot but uh i have to agree with you on that because now you're catering to everybody's taste and that's the thing yeah. when they did the traditional angels with the you know the statuesque beautiful supermodels um that was include that was considered non-inclusive you know and apparently it's a male fantasy and that's what they're trying to move away from because women buy victoria's secret and the the fashion show was just for the guys now they're they're trying to yeah go you know change they're gonna have dudes i don't know what they're gonna do for their new fashion show and i'm kind (laughs) of i don't know man and um We'll find out. See, if it has dudes and speedos, I don't want to watch it. But again, if that's on a separate channel, yeah. all all power to them. That's fine. I mean, well, as we're running out of time, Paul, you did mention Backlash. Uh, there was a little bit of news that Bad Bunny would be hosting yeah. Backlash. Yeah, I heard that. So this will be the the first um, premium live event in Puerto Rico, correct? Yeah, I think that I think that's a good. I mean, I think it's a good mark to hit. They haven't. I don't think they've ever done. Do they even do shows in Puerto Rico much or? That's a good wrestling, point. but now it's actually going to be one of the premium live events, formerly known as a pay per view. They're actually going to have yeah. with, with Bad Bunny, so that's going to be the pay per view right after WrestleMania. So I'm I'm really excited uh, about WrestleMania, yeah. which now we have Logan Paul confirmed uh, versus Seth. You Rollins. know what? I didn't think I would like him as a wrestler. He actually is. He good. grew on. Did he grow on you? Yeah, he grew on me. He kind of grew on me a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, he can actually wrestle. At first, I thought he was just some goofy act, and he'd yeah. just be be there and he can actually wrestle yeah so i'm glad that one was made official um but um they're still trying to build up the usos versus kevin owens and Sami Zayn. so i'm, I'm sure now that we watched raw at cj Uso turn on yeah. um Sami Zayn that we're eventually going to see that tag team match so that's going to be really anticipated as well and of course uh did they make official yet um Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish versus um, Dakota Kai, Bailey, and uh, Eo Sky. I don't know if that's official yet, but okay, I, think that, that's what I think that's what they're building up to. So that that that's probably another match that they're gonna. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're still slowly starting to build uh, more. We've also matches. heard rumors about Cena possibly coming back too, but I don't know if that's. Uh, oh, we know that we we found that out on, on Raw. Yeah, that was it's already in the books. Yes, John Cena. Okay, John Cena, you didn't watch Raw, obviously, right? I missed that. I missed this. Okay, John Cena, John Cena was on Raw, and he accepted um, Austin Theory's challenge for the U.S. title. That match. Okay, that's too. cool. So I'm sure we're going to see more matches be announced because you know you're filling up two days of of mm-hmm. a super card. So and then you're going to have to do something with Bray Wyatt. I mean, I guess. Well, Bray Wyatt is already starting a program with Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Yeah. Because Which is Bobby a weird, Lashley, which is a weird guy to have him fight, but I don't know. I, I personally would have rather seen Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt, but they. I'd rather gonna... seen Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. I think that would have been a better. For, I mean, for they've another, done it. Yeah, for for one like, more yeah. match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost will be a squash match. That's going to be like yeah. a uh-huh. five minute match. And I'm not really excited. Yeah. Which, where they're putting Brock Lesnar on that card versus Omos, I think he deserves yeah. a little bit more. But mm-hmm. in all regard, um, we're going to close out the show with some rest in pieces and. We talked about Tom Sizemore last week that he was in a coma due to a aneurysm and stroke, and sadly he died. Um, 
as um, doctors told his family that you know sadly nothing could be done. So Tom Sizemore, we then he uh, have uh, so did he have substance abuse problems? For, he's for had a, a lot too? of issues. He's had a lot of issues, Paul. You know, well he's best known for Saving Private Ryan, yeah. um, and a lot of other films. And um, yeah, he, he had a stroke and brain aneurysm. Yeah, he had substance abuse issues. He had accusations of. Uh, of, of misconduct, sexual misconduct as well, which kind I of think everybody in the seventies, eighties had those. I mean, like he, he had a lot going. Yeah. He had a lot that affected his career, sadly. And, you know, he died at the age of 61. So rest in peace. Um, top size where John Travolta, uh, actually talked about, uh, on social media called Tom Sizemore, an excellent character actor. They worked together That's cool. in 2018 on speed kills. Um, if you know, and of course he was a natural born killers. Yeah, um, he was in a lot. He was in heat. Yeah, back in the back in the eighties and nineties, I think he was on a ton of stuff. Wasn't he was he? in the top. He was at the top of his game. The uh, heat. Uh, remember the that movie? Yeah. Um, Strange days. Um, from Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. So rest in peace, Tom Sizemore. But certainly, uh, my buddy Art Hall worked with him on, on an independent film. So. Uh, Shout out to Artie, who got to work with him as well. Uh, Natural Born Killers is another big movie that he did, too. Uh, we also lost Ed Fury, the muscle beach bodybuilder and actor from uh, many epics. Uh, he passed away at the age of 94. Jeez. Yeah. We also lost Sarah Lane, who played the Frontier Girl on uh, Four Seasons of the Virginian. We also lost uh, Ted Donaldson, who starred as Bud Anderson. On the radio version of Father Knows Best. Uh, at least a lot of them had like long lives. Long apparently. lives. Exactly. Yep. And we definitely celebrate life for those celebrating another year of the sun with Mickey Dolenz from the book. Okay. He's 78 today. Um, actor Aiden Quinn is 64. Um, actor Cameron Mannheim is 62. Um, Freddie Prince Jr. Happy birthday, Freddie. He's 46. Is he still doing his own wrestling thing? Because I think when he left WWE, he went to start his own wrestling organization. I don't know if he... I don't think... I, I thought I heard something about it, but I, I, I you might heard be much thinking about it recently. Of, you might be thinking of... Um, no, I'm thinking of Freddie Prince Jr. Billy, Billy Corrigan, who started... No, Fred, no, Freddie Prince Jr. started his own wrestling, too. I know he was a big fan. I wasn't aware of him. No, he wrote, he wrote for WWE for years. And I, oh, I know I think that. He started I, did, I didn't Bill know about Bill owns a, he owns a, what's he called? Um, uh, uh, what is that now? Uh, shoot. I'm drawing a black one. But, um, no, Billy Corgan, Billy Corgan does own his own wrestling promotion. Yes. Yeah. Happy birthday, James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek. He's 46 today. And Nick Zano is 45. That's birthday today. Okay. Incredible show for top to bottom. I'd like to thank, of course, our yeah. panel. Um, starting with Dan Franco, the Nerf Herder. Yeah. <laughs> we came up with that nickname on the spot. It works. Of course, Darth Paul Wallace. I am a sip lord. That's right. And our special guest, Sam Medina, from Twenty Two Unforgettable Soldier. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good interview. Fantastic interview. I know you had some. Matter back a lot of things to talk about with him. But I am Al Soto, um, your host of the most, headed to South by Southwest, so I got to get back okay, over the weather. Safe and fun I'm, trip. A little, I'm a little under the weather, but hopefully we'll recover. Well, well that dry air is going to uh, make your sinuses 
feel better. So if your if your sinuses are bad, I mean you're feeling a lot better yeah. now. Once you get if down there. If it's allergy based, then yeah, hopefully everything mm. will be all right. So on behalf of Darth Paul Wallace and myself, guys, we will see you guys in two weeks. VTB right. taking yeah. a break next week, yes, because I will be in Austin. I was debating whether to broadcast from Austin, but I thought there's too many logistical things. Okay. And I extended my trip for South by Southwest because I will be working with Click on this show, uh, covering the. Well, have, have fun out there. I mean, don't get in too much trouble. Yeah, I know. We're going to have a lot of fun. So we're going to have some exclusive interviews when we get back uh, from South good. by Southwest. So, guys, we will see you guys in two weeks. Until All then. Right. Peace. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, 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 bye.